Welcome to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. You're now listening to MIA Radio. DJ Kev, DJ Zaya. Let me holler at my real Miami motherfuckers. Ten years. Are, are you going to wake up for 24 months every day and owe 30 grand at the end of that and say, Woo, can't wait to do it again tomorrow. No, a lot of people don't. And that's why a lot of people don't succeed. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, Tamai Radio. We're live. Live. Another kind of remote episode. I mean, this could be this like a partial a, studio hub. You know, we're here often. We're here at the Rockwell office. Rockwell headquarters in Coral Gables yes. with a very special guest. <laughs> very special guest. A non-DJ. Finally, after waiting a couple, I, I mean, uh, almost an hour, this guy's a very, very after, busy man. After it getting approved. We had to go through We had to go through an assistant. We yeah. had to go through the, a, a booking agent. We had to go through the, the whole office spiel. manager. Whole spiel. Well, we're finally able to lock down. We, we, I didn't even have it on my calendar. I thought it was going to be oh, on my You account. didn't have it on your note, yeah. bro? You know, this guy uses a note. It's very organized. I thought it was going to be synced. <laughs> I opened up my work calendar, and I didn't see this. On He's dying to say a word right now. Yeah. <laughs> but we're here with uh, our longtime manager, longtime friend. Yes. Brian Herrera of Rockwell Talent. Yes. Let's give it. Let's give it up for for Brian real, Herrera. You know what? Somebody said we couldn't fucking clap. I'm gonna give a real. Oh fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap. let's go. Hey, you can talk now, bro. It's okay. It's my cue. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah, yes. bro. All right. I didn't want to jump the gun. Brian like everybody Herrera. else that has. Brian Herrera, aka B Money. Nah, B Money's the guy that walked Whoa. in. Oh yeah, yeah. B Money came, came in hot. He came in hot. Those were saying before we started recording. It was a perfect day to record because yeah. we had because B Money came in and then we saw him in his natural habitat. He put on the polo, <laughs> going off on like eighteen people. He put on the polo and straight to work. So Brian's been our longtime manager for well, this week is actually six years of Rockwell of Talent. Rockwell, yeah. So we thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to sit down with the the man, the, the man myth. Himself, yeah, it's been six years of Rockwell. So, so we kind of wanted to get uh, into how you got into managing DJs, how you got into the nightlife, and how you ended up here talking to us, bro. So All right, kind of well, tell us your story. First things first, thanks for having me. I think it's long overdue. Yes. And uh, those three topics would probably be three different episodes if we really dissected it. There we go. Uh, but we're not, we're not going to do all that today. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and say that uh, the assistant, the office manager, the booking agent, and everybody you just described was me. So I'm glad you called me and I answered. <laughs> uh, the other 18 people I rambled about aren't important. They don't pay my bills. So here we are. Uh, first things first, I guess how, how we started... Well, actually, no, we're going on 10 years now, Zale. So Rockwell yeah, Talent, well, six years. Rockwell but six years, but you, we've been working together. You've been managing DJs, or I don't know what you would call it back hey, then. You guys, you guys have been working 10 years. I've been, well, it's been eight years. Were you and me? Yeah, it's just about. Eight, you, were, yeah. you were cool people. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the original. And then we had ProFresh, yeah. and then we jumped to rocking. Many stages of Rockwell. Yeah. But let's, so let's start. Let's start from, from, off the rip cool kids Berlin what or no how'd you get into first things first I'm gonna say the first time I met Zaya or at least the first <laughs> time I go. collect <laughs> right because I think that's a good story to start with so uh I remember my good friend Pancho uh still a very lifelong friend of mine he invited me over to the studio there was some like bald guy in there and he was like some big deal and they were like yo come over he's recording guy uh now is known as Pitbull 
So I walk into the studio and I uh, I notice everybody in there looked pretty legit, pretty official. The studio was state of the art, <laughs> two sto- two stories. Still remember it like it was yesterday, right? And then I asked my friend Chino, I'm like, yo, who's the kid sleeping on the couch, dude? <laughs> what the hell's going on over there? You guys are hiding kids or what are we doing here? I was playing Grand Theft Auto, I remember. And uh, little did I know it was DJ Zaya with the super fresh uh, fade sitting on the couch. Like, had to have been 12, 13, 14 years old. I wouldn't old. call myself a DJ at that time. No, he wasn't. He definitely wasn't. He was just uh, Zaya. I was just trying to be. And uh, needless to say, he got his ass kicked in Grand Theft. And then I believe NBA came about. Wasn't too good at that either. So I'm glad we're DJing now because uh, he seems to be doing pretty good at that. Uh, none- nonetheless, fast forward the story. You're what now, Zaya? How old are you? Why are you trying to age? How old around? are you, Zaya? Late 20s. Bro. Late rip. 20s. <laughs> damn. That's too damn many years I've known him. But uh, we'll get into how I started, I guess, managing DJs. Right? Was that yeah, the first or question? How'd or you I mean, get nightlife. Into nightlife. Just nightlife. In we can start with night because uh, I mean, you started managing DJs because you. Were I mean, in you nightlife. said nightlife. You said Belen, and then we started talking about managing DJs, and it's funny because the story, I guess, ties all three together. So, I would say 2004, I realized uh, I went to Belen, so it was a somewhat of a prestigious high not, school here not, in Miami. Yeah, I was gonna say not everybody's from here, so. Yeah. yeah, so uh, it's it's I would say you know top ten for sure uh, high schools in Miami, and top you just. Five. I mean, I didn't want to be the one to say it, but I'd say top one if you ask Ooh, me. Here we go, uh, Pride. All right. Um, Wolverine Pride, is that? Wolverine. I know you had some guests on here that were from Belen, too, right? I think yeah, George Andres was on here. Oh, that's yeah, right. Mr. Eats is from Belen, yeah. Mr. Eats. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him personally, but I did yeah. meet George back then, so good dudes. Uh, nonetheless, I was 2004, and I realized that, yeah, Belen likes to study, and they like to pass tests and become lawyers and accountants and CPAs and, and everything else, but they sure as hell also like to party. Uh, so I, I took it upon myself to kind of put together the uh, private school circle at the time, LaSalle, Lourdes, St. Brendan, Columbus, Belen, and we started throwing house parties. It was a group of us. We later called ourselves Second Verse or uh, SV, and uh, everybody in the private school kind of kind of recollected what we were doing. We had uh, DJs. We had a doorman. We had uh, the operations of the events. And it, and it started like everybody else. You'd go up to somebody and be like, yeah, I'll give you 500 bucks. Let me use your backyard. And right. next weekend, you threw a massive rager, and they would have like $1,000 worth of grass damage, and they realized it didn't make sense, and you would go on to the next house. Right. Right? Uh, so 2004, 2005, that's what we were doing. And uh, I got noticed by a local promotional company, I guess. At the time, it was called godrock.com. <laughs> and Throwback. Uh, we'll, we'll get, in, we'll get into, into that for sure later on in this episode. And uh, nonetheless, I got, uh, I got called at about 10.30 p.m., which at like 13 years old, if someone's calling your house line at 10.30 p.m., it's either the FBI or you're in deep shit, all right? So I picked up the phone. Some guy was talking. Those of you that know him, he might have stuttered once or twice. And uh, thousand miles an hour. thousand miles an hour going on a zillion, and he basically said, you know, I, I see you're doing a house party this weekend, and I'd love to uh, promote the house party on my website. And uh, trust me, if I post it, you're going to be slammed. And I kind of stopped in a modest way, and I said, well, don't post it because we're going to be slammed anyways, but for, for sure, pass by. Love to meet you. He, he passed by. It was 18 deep. They all had 18 packs in their hands. It was the craziest group to show up for sure by far, and I said, damn, partying with these guys got to be fun. Right. Fast forward the story. I, uh, I stayed loyal to them for many, many, many years. Godrock.com and Miami and everything that I did up till I was like 25, 26 years old was through them or through him, and uh, needless to say, I learned a lot. And I also learned a lot of what I shouldn't do or, or shouldn't be. And uh, here we are now. So 
And back then, having a website like that was like a big deal. Oh, man. Keggers.com, no, Partiers. I mean. Yeah, there was no social media. So that was like where people went to see what's happening and see what happened. Shit, like, there was no the, cell phones really. That's yeah. why I called my house line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if you had a cell phone, you were really doing it or you were selling drugs. And I mean, either or wasn't uh, wasn't what I was doing at, at the time. <laughs> right. Uh, but nonetheless, 2006, I, I graduated with uh, one of my good friends to this day, Jordan Sanchez. Uh, you guys are pretty familiar yes. with him, I'm sure. Revolution. Uh, he just got his own radio show on Revolution. He took more of the EDM route after we worked together. Uh, he had a duo going on. It was called Your Friends. And uh, he's a great dude, man. Anybody that knows Jordan, if he's in the room with you and you're not smiling, you're not, you're not human. You're not normal. Uh, so nonetheless, we, we, we got to working. Uh, he told me, you know, he used to do all the pep rallies the uh, home games, et cetera. We had never DJed at a club. Mm -hmm. And at the time, this had to have been, now we're, we're fast forward in like 2008, and um, I got a deal on the beach, which back then, I mean, I was 19, no, I was 20 years old, getting my own deal on the beach. Shout out Victor Goza, which alley-ooped that to me. And it was at a, at a club called Heathrow. And uh, I mean, Zaya could recollect, I think this is right before you might have gotten yeah, into nah, town. This but is before me, yeah. Heathrow was like, like on some other shit. I mean, anybody that partied there, you you know what I'm talking about. We got recognized by Ocean Drive. We got recognized as like top 10 venues in the city at the time, or, or parties, not venues, sorry. Parties in the city. And this is all before, you know, companies had their own PR girl making all these fake fabricated stories or or tags or yeah, social media. Late, late 2000s. This is when yeah, this I heard like South Beach. This is when South Beach was at, at the hottest. Yeah, it was like word of mouth. Six. And this is before Live. Yeah. This is uh this is before anything at the time. I think my only competition on a Thursday night was uh was set and and it wasn't competition yet cuz my crowd didn't know it existed and uh Aerobar. Aerobar was actually thrown by a good compadre of ours Paul E. Mm -hmm. and uh, Chino, rest in peace, and a couple other people that uh, really put on a, a, a great party and a, and a great competition, really, because what it did is it, it drove more and more people over the bridge, and then you had two options. You had yeah. Heathrow and you had Aerobar, and, uh, you know, we did have an open bar, so we got a little bit of an earlier crowd than them. Uh, but to tie the story together, Jordan Sanchez came up to me one day, and he was like, yo, I'd love to play at Heathrow. And I was like, dude, you have 462 cousins and, like, 9,000 friends, and, and everybody likes you. What about opening up? I think at the time it must have been for like $8 and a bag of chips or something like that. <laughs> and he was like, dude, I'm in. You know, he did his Jordan laugh. Oh. <laughs> that was, was your first book? $8 and a bag of chips? $8 and a bag of chips. And for those of you that don't know how management works, see, I got a whole 20% of that. So with these damn lace bags nowadays, that's like three chips and a whole, what, sixty off the top? Um, wow. But... I wonder if that's accurate. It eight, sure is. Three percent, twenty percent of eight dollars. Three chips. Yeah, and you get all the air too. <laughs> all the air you came my way. For you sure. get twenty percent of the air yep. in the bag. Yep. But uh, the first night he brought one hundred and twelve people on guest list. I'll never forget that number. I've been in the promotional game for many, many years, and as a DJ, he literally brought more than most promotional teams could bring nowadays. And uh, yeah, eighty percent of them were actually his family members. Um, but he became the weekly resident. And we made something great there. And it was, uh, to me, something that really satisfied, I guess, all my uh, happiness levels, I guess. You know, working with a good friend, working with someone from school, working on South Beach at 20 years old. Making money. Making money, which, let's just say I didn't make a lot of it there. That was a whole lot of learning experiences and figuring out how taxes work at the end of the year. And yeah. IRS always wins. And, you know, clubs don't always pay on time. And, I mean, towards the end, we went through our hard times, too. And, you know, a couple checks bounced and things that we had to deal with and roll with the punches. But 
like anything else, you 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 learn. And I, I went on from there to do, I mean, too many parties to to name. Um, but that's where the management, I guess, started. And uh, Jordan Sanchez was my first client a couple years later when we started this company called uh, Cool Kids, Team Cool Kids to be exact. And uh, Zaya, Paul, everybody's still with me, I guess, to this day from that time was part of that. And uh, it really started something great in Miami because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first circle of DJs in this city, locally, right, um, that were able to work as a unit and, and kind of, you know, attack a client, attack a venue, attack a party as a whole, not just me, me, me. It was more us, us, us. We had, you know, somebody making the flyer. We had somebody DJing. We had promoters backing it up. Shout out Pauly G, Danny Pacheco, and the whole squad back there. And uh, we kind of evolved into into a multi-department promotional company uh, that broke down into cool kids, cool chicks, cool people. We were just some cool-ass dudes, I guess, running around. And <laughs> at, at the time... Uh, you know, guys, he's not reading a script. <laughs> Looking, uh, this is amazing. Wanna, this I just want to tell people this, that he's not reading a script. No, nah, man, I, I hope on this podcast, I mean, we can we can definitely plug up Rockwell Talent and everything yeah, that course. we do for the DJs. But more importantly, I'd love to educate some of the people that are not from here or even some of the people that are from here and kind of live this era. I mean, it's there's nothing else like it. This Fact. is this was like Vegas locally. I'm talking about people that lived on 137th and 120th Street were driving Lamborghinis to mansion and parking in the front just to shout out and be cool. Yep. This is before social media, so there was no way of you posting a picture at the mall, buying something and being cool. You had to literally go to the club every day and pop bottles if you wanted to brag that you were balling. And you physically had to put in the work and you physically had to spend the money. And uh, Photoshop wasn't that popular back then, so you really had to do this <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? That's why we kind of want to talk about, like, how were you, you able to see that, like, because, I mean, back then, you said there was, like, a lot of people doing a lot of things, but there was no real unity or no real, like, uh, movement happening to together, everyone coming together to do one common thing. So, like, what made you, like, okay, let me start this thing and kind of get the girls, the girls' apartment, the production the uh, different, department. The yeah. different angles. Like, how did you, because, I mean... Because promoters, yeah, like promoters always did their own thing and then the DJs did their own thing, but there was never like, oh, promoting and DJs. I mean, there it was a the whole entity. But, I, mean, right. I mean, have you ever gone to Wendy's to get the uh, sandwich and then gone to McDonald's to get the fries? <laughs> no, right? You go to one place and you get everything at one spot. This guy has the best I analogy. mean, depends what you're on. I've done something like that, though. <laughs> yeah, I bet you have. I bet you have. I mean, no I mean for a Frosty, I get it, but. Uh, no, at the time, actually, uh, a gentleman by the name of Ryan Van Milligan pointed out to me, he's like, man, you know, you're a young kid, but you kind of realize at an early age that if you make a dollar off a million things, you're still a millionaire. So you don't got to make a million dollars off something. Uh, and I think that really hit home at the early age of, of hearing that. And, and I've kind of just tr carried that on to everything I do in life, uh, onto my other ventures outside of nightlife and, and everything else that, that we were able to accomplish in nightlife. And uh, I mean, I guess in a one sentence summary, Dude, it was fun. <laughs> right. You know, we used to we used to party with the promoters. We used to uh, go to the DJ booth as a squad. I mean, we took over from, the club when you knew when we you knew when we were in the building. From you know? Heathrow to what was the next step? Well, before Heathrow, Heathrow, from Heathrow to Mansion or Heathrow. I, I, mean, I think I, I think like, to to kind of accept the whole Heathrow transition, you had to you had to really equate. I mean, in two thousand four, two thousand five, when I got that call from God Rock, um, that transition into like all ages. I'm talking about heaven at space that. I mean, it was nine, ten years straight traditional party, and Damn. I think you guys spoke about it in one of your earlier episodes. Uh, right, used to sell the tickets. all ages. Did we sell tickets for it. Brian. I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that, but I mean, I seen it. And like, I know it was a big 
in those times, it was a That's big, huge. big deal. Bro, when I tell you 5,000 kids yeah. raging in three floors of club space, buying nothing but water and Red Bull, or at the time, I think it might have even been Monster. Yeah, Monster. Uh, or Crunk had a little... Crunk juice. I remember, yeah. You remember right. when Space had their own shit, yeah. I do remember, and they still have their own water thing. Yeah, the water is whatever. I, goes. I remember when they had their own Red Bull thing. But yeah, I be selling. I remember selling tickets for you once. It was actually a heaven at Space, and like back then, you had to wait till the person got there to collect your. What was it like? You get two dollars, three dollars off the top or something. Two, three dollars rip off the top. Running late, bro, and I'm just trying to get it. I was it. running late. <laughs> yeah, I'm nah, I'm calling him. He's on his B money. Like, nah, bro. I'm You're be, probably hitting up my sidekick. I'll be there in ten. I'll be there in twenty, and then literally, because you couldn't just get in. They didn't care who you were. Yeah. Or what Listen, you were man. Doing. Let, let me explain to you the hustle that that one would have to do to get these two, three dollars off the tickets. Yeah. All right. I remember specifically getting in my Acura RSX and driving at least 170 200 miles day of the party dropping off tickets collecting tickets hitting up guests you know back then i had a list it wasn't on my iphone it was on a paper and a pen uh you know calling people on my razor um but nonetheless we were moving volume dude i mean it wasn't like send me the link i'll scan my ticket at the door i'm talking about i had to drive to homestead to drop off three tickets nah, it was real. was that six bucks yeah you know I, what I mean i actually remember we me and my boy that used to promote or promote slash dj we met up some people at a gas station to sell them like 10 tickets and like if you sold 10 tickets at once i was like what that's Dude, a you money shot it. so we were all high we go and they gave us fake money and, once <laughs> we, and then we realized once we go back to the car that it's fake and we're like yo hold on and then i guess they got freaked out or whatever and they started chasing us in their car and they had guns and it was like this crazy shit and i'm like yo i'm never <laughs> like fuck these ticket sales bro i just want to yeah, dj man. it yeah, was that not, serious not to mention i mean you look suspect as fuck <laughs> getting cash through a window at a gas station exactly. you know what i mean and yeah. it just wasn't a good look uh, yeah. but but i mean it was cash we were 17 at the time 16 whatever whatever age it was and uh it was it was cool right i guess it was cool uh, that's cool so from there all ages kind of transition 18 and over i'm glad you guys had auto on the uh on the show to, you know shout out auto top flight security of the world craig and uh <laughs> i mean he'll, he'll come back on and, and tell you guys that story it has to do with fountain blue and top flight securities um but nonetheless that you know that that whole era that he described in those parties i was on the other side you know he was he was doing his thing to get noticed and we were part of uh the money team i guess you can call it and we were just throwing massive two, 3,000 people, 18 and over parties. I'm talking about weekly. I mean, every Saturday. Cache Saturdays made a good seven, eight people that I can name off the top of my head, six figures in cash three years in a row. You start doing the math, that's a million dollars a year throwing you know, 52 parties because it would be just Saturdays. How that's a whole guys, lot of money for some people. How long were you guys there peoples. for? I mean, we started there when it was Metropolis that Mandy was just running around going crazy. And it was five rooms. I mean, Dwayne Wade, when he, when he first moved to Miami, he was partying at the Nile, which was the VIP room. I still remember that. And uh, it kind of, so from that to the end of what was Allure, you know, because like any other venue in Miami, it goes through many names. Uh, I don't know. How many years was that? How many years did Metropolis exist? Metropolis didn't exist for that long. Well, but that building. That building. That building. Yeah, like 10 years. And we were there more. From, we were there from day one. I'm talking about 17. Uh, shout out David Gotti. Uh, turning in tickets, trying to sneak in through the side door because it was 18 and over. But, you know, my birthday's in June. So when you're in school, you're the last guy in the class to turn 18. Everybody else is 18. I was selling 70 tickets. I couldn't go into my own party, uh, you know. I was 18 and over, but I 
clearly remember people popping bottles. <laughs> oh, yeah, 18 and over got you. You know, 18 was, was the legal age to drink in there, I guess you could say. 18 and over, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. I mean, in Miami, emoji, it's always emoji. been, in Miami, like, it's always been so fun. I remember, the, I remember seeing people. I mean, like they would buy a bottle, but then they would like sneak in their own bottle and, and then refill put, it, and yeah. then put the bottle in in the in the tu- ice tub with the bottle they bought and yeah. their bottle. Yeah, you, and just then had, you just had to know which bottle you were buying <laughs> yeah. back then. It was Sky Vodka, those blue yeah, bottles, fact, boy. Fact. What? You already knew. Not, we used, we used not to, to mention shit, everybody used to you know wear baggy stuff. Walk yeah. in three, four Sky bottles in my old jeans. Yeah. I will tell you that. <laughs> fact, fact. I remember doing that. Sh- I remember doing that shit when I, in Texas. What I would do is. I would take a bottle in my DJ bag and I would put it all the way in the bottom. Oh yeah. Fact though, you wrap it up and you put all your shit on top. Till you get there in a hurry and drop it on the floor and shatter vodka. You just put like six packs of beers in like girls' purses and take them. Everything. But you had to make sure they sell the same. Of course, of course. (laughs) If not, you'd be fucked. Drinking dos equis (laughs) in there. Of course. (laughs) I remember one time we took the wrong bottle and like, oh, I didn't know they had it. And I'm like, oh yeah, me. I just leave the bottle in the booth and I don't know. So, anyways, you were doing that party for a while. That your- was just one. We had a we had at the time a Thursday, Friday, Saturday lineup. You know, Thursdays we were in Coconut Grove. We were doing um, Apples, which at the time was two floors. It was where Vision and um, I mean, before that was what Banana Joes, Margarita Mamas, and Banana Joes, and uh, then it was Apples and Visions, and then we kind of took over both floors and joined it and made it one party. And it was by far the best Thursday, at least running Thursday. I mean, not in Coconut Grove. You had Quench. You had a bunch of other parties back in the day. Uh, but that was a Thursday. Friday, I was uh, teamed up with Otto. I was actually one of the few from the dark side, I guess, that teamed up with him And uh, on Fridays at Park West, which was just a whole other shit show with DJ Chino. And uh, who was it? I think Fresco was on that party, too. That might have been the other DJ. I DJ there a couple times. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We had our Goodbye Sober Day uh you know, launch parties there. We had and we had a whole, whole 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 lot of fun times in there. And then Saturday was uh, was Allure. And um, I guess I got to the point where, you know, I gave up the, the, the Thursday party. I started the Heathrow party. I stayed I stayed on Saturdays at Allure um, just to stay true to, to God Rock and, and all the, the blessings and opportunities that he had, he had opened for me. Um, I guess you could say I'm very loyal on, on, on whoever shows that loyalty card back. Uh, but there came a time where, you know, I was 22, I think, 23 maybe. And all my friends now were 22, 23, 24. Again, I was one of the younger ones. And, I mean, they didn't want to go to an 18 and over anymore. You know, they wanted to cross that bridge. They wanted to uh, live the South Beach life, which at the time was was a real South Beach life. Now what's going on out there now? Yeah. Early, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s was just. Yep. Yep. And uh, 2009 was my 21st birthday at Heathrow. Probably craziest, obscene was rocking. I mean, we brought out so many bottles at once that the fire alarm went off and the whole music shut down. And I thought the night was over and my career was over. I was standing on top of everything like a dork. No music, no nothing. Be moneyed out. It might have been like a a mild in one hand. Might have been a gang sign in the other. And and yeah, I looked around in a state of panic. I started chanting and uh, I had 750 people inside of a small ass little one room screaming, be money. The money classic story classic <laughs> classic classic right. story uh but you know from there i was able to transition into what was opium group at the time mm, and and before right. we continue down the storyline i kind of want to point out uh that was 700 people in a room that kind of realized who i was too you know and not to mention i probably knew a good 90 percent of them already and uh Nobody on the show has talked about, I guess, the benefits of promoting. Yeah, tequila's great, or at the time, vodka. Uh, women are great, you know. At the time, 
There was a whole lot of them. And uh, no one's really talked about the benefits of networking and, and going out and being able to provide somebody with a good time. Maybe Two Hats touched on it because they still live on that. Um, right. You know, but that genuine why we do this, I think the why is, is to see everybody in the room smiling at one point in time. And uh, if there was a way to kind of connect people and introduce someone to somebody, that's why I did this or at least started doing this. And, and I think I got a turn off on the promotional game down the line when I started seeing how every promoter was kind of shady. And, and it, it turned into, I don't want to introduce you to my guests because then next week you might steal them. And I mean, what kind of service are we providing? And I, I guess that's what happened in Miami nightlife in general. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what happened because when you kind of took like got away from that, that's when I was doing, I mean, that's when I was, we started getting our feet wet with people and like, I don't, I've, just because of, that's the introduction that I got to the nightlife, to the South Beach promoters when I was, when we started getting in that scene. So like, I don't work, I, to this day, I still don't work with promoters. I have zero desire to work with any promoter. But there's, it's just because of that. Those are the only promoters that I've been around. Dude, as, as a promoter, right? And, and we use that word in this, you know, lightly because at the time being a promoter was like way cooler than being a NASA astronaut. Like I'm talking about like you were accepted into a secret society of, yeah. of a couple of key people that really controlled and, and found a way to monopolize almost nightlife and making sure that everybody part of it was having a good time. So if you take the service of what, what promoting is, which again has to be a spectrum of 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 hospitality, right? right? You're providing an experience for somebody, customer service, etc. What the fuck kind of message are you sending when you're like, no, 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 say my name at the door, say my name at the door. Yo, did you say my name at the door? You didn't. All right, cool. No, no, don't meet that guy. That guy's whack. That's another promoter. Nah, yeah. dude. Like, I want I want to introduce you to the doorman. I want to introduce you to to people working with me, providing this experience, aka promoters or hosts. And uh, it was a, a few years later when I moved to Vegas with, uh, with Zay over here that I was able to see, dude, that's a business. I mean, we got yeah. 20 mega clubs in a matter of 20 blocks, and they all party at each other's venues on their off nights. They're all supporting. If you got a client in town and you work at One Oak and he goes there on Friday, let's be real. He probably doesn't want to go there on Saturday. So you, as that person's nightlife connoisseur, right, or, or travel guide at the end of the freaking day, should be putting him down with somebody else at another club on Saturday because he's going to have a better time than going to One Oak four times in a weekend while you're there. Right, right. You know, and Miami never caught sight of that. And I think it's because the, the, there was never a corporate entity in Miami that ran it corporately. Because even Opium Group, even, even you know, MMG Today, was, all these places, it's still, they don't got promoter trainings. Yeah, it's still. You know, they don't teach still, you how to do this like, shit. It's still like hit the ground running, like. They expect you to do that, and like, like I was saying, like I don't work with promoters because of that. Because I've gotten hit up, yo, you want to play this, and then I'd be like, ah, cool, like I'm down. Like I follow the conversation, but I know that the money's not gonna be right. I know that it's some shady shit. I know started it's getting very car like, salesman. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. And, and it's and it's bro, like even to the like, there's venues that I would work, and I would go say hi to the promoters, and like they wouldn't even want to like say what's up i'd be like yo what up and like, oh, yeah, and yeah like, i was very yeah, you want to fucking you'd rather care about your fucking 15 and, russian girls that, and that's what i think going back to what he was saying when he was doing the promotion thing and we were working started working with him heavily yeah. like that was a big deal because like i felt real comfortable to send any one of my friends to like any of the parties that brian had like mm -hmm. going with his team because i knew it wasn't like a it's gonna be a mission or like yeah. you know it's gonna be like yo he's gonna make sure they're all taken care of having a good time right. and then eventually what happens is like my friends became his friends and then they start going out on their with own. other groups of yeah. so then when we, what happened was when we started doing events we started djing 
it would be like all the friends of friends of friends would come out, yeah. but it was like to show Everybody love. Everybody knew each other. Super dope. It Everybody was like knew each other. they knew they were going to have a good time and they knew it wasn't going to be an issue at the door. They knew they were going to be taken care of. They knew they were going to know like 80% of the people at the table. It wasn't going to be some Russian well, can, models. Can, can we analyze what, what partying is? You're in a room with a little bit of technology, a whole lot of alcohol, and that's it. You're looking around awkward as hell at other people trying to catch a vibe. Have you ever gone to a house party and you don't know anybody because it's your girlfriend's abuela's 60th birthday? You're, you're not sitting there awkwardly, yeah. right? Until the tia comes in and he's like, hey, you're, you're Sophia's boyfriend. Let's take a shot. And then all of a sudden now you're in the mix and, and, and you're enjoying the experience that you're that welcomed. host was providing you. You're welcomed. I mean, if you're not providing that for people going to clubs, no shit South Beach is dead. You know, no shit when would right. survive. Because we right. were never really in like the, I mean, we were trying to get people to our parties and like where we were DJing, but we weren't in like the numbers game. It was more like, yo, let's build this kind of following so that we could use it to our advantage, obviously. But it was it was like, let's make sure everyone has a good time. Not like, let's hit the numbers we need to, to pack this place. Dude, like, every promoter nowadays, the minute they track and they look at that guest list and they're over their quota to get paid whatever X amount of dollars they're getting paid for yeah, their services, they're, they're done. They're done. They're going inside. They're drinking with their four homies. They're getting faded. They're, they're trying to. They're trying to put it in every any witch hole of whichever girl is is standing around. What happened to those people that tracked on your list? Aren't you supposed to provide a service to make sure they come back next week and track again? Aren't you supposed to make sure they're okay? Aren't you supposed to text them? Hey, hope you got home safe. You know, text them the next day. How real is the hangover? Can't wait to see you again this weekend. That's how this shit survived for so many years right. in Miami. Not now. What's going on now? What's going on now is a is a revolving door. You got a couple of rich dudes sitting on a yacht somewhere, just making sure that the promoters are coming through the door, and they don't give a shit if it's promoter A, B, C, Z, D. I don't. They don't care as long as it's it's working. Mm -hmm. If they treat this corporate, wouldn't you have people, you know, growing within people? Wouldn't you have a promoter being able to then train four new promoters how to do well, this the, the way, right way? The way that I you know? see the way that I see it is just like you said. Those those rich the people that are up top they have a working machine and it's it's working i mean to their we we see it falling we see less and less and less and less on south beach but those people they still have their clients they still have their connects they still have the people they still know that one guy from saudi that comes in once a quarter and spends 20 grand yeah but night. that guy from saudi is coming now twice a year instead of once that's a quarter because they're going to vegas and they're getting a different vibe or they're going to south america where shit's 16 cents and you can do whatever you want right. so why are you coming to south beach to get treated by shit a bunch of people that aren't your friends but that's what i'm saying that it's less and less of them 100 percent. less and less I can and, name less you, and less and less i can name you countless venues that have closed on south beach and i can count i can i can name another 10 venues that I know are going to close in the next three years. Right. Because it's an experience, dude. We're in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. What are you entertaining besides bullshit? Yeah, people don't understand like that, you know, it's it's lit, like to be the dick and to deal with the door and to deal with this and to deal with that. Like, yo, like you have to be dumb rich and then just dumb to keep doing <laughs> it. <laughs> like, yo, it's, it's, it's just boring. It's complacent. I mean, it's literally like, you know, these venues and, and, the same thing with the promoter. All they care about is that one spender. I've been in clubs where it's that one guy is spending 10 racks. So the promoter is making his bread. He doesn't care about anybody else. He cares about that freaking Hibala Habala gets his face cut out with 700 bottles and they, his name's on the screen and you know who's shouting his name out and that's all that guy cares about. it. But like that Chuck E. Cheese ego stroke is good for the three minutes that 10 grand you spend is good for those three-minute parade, and is that really it? That's where the experience ends. 
Correct. And, and, and back in the day, you used to be able to get an experience for three, four, five hundred dollars. Exactly. There was 30, 40 tables inside a mansion, I think, when I first started. I think 46, if I'm not mistaken. 46 tables that you're selling at five hundred dollars each is mm -hmm. going to equate more than that one table you have now for 10K. The, other, right. the only problem is you can't fill the other 45 because no one wants to deal with your shit. Now you only have 10 tables in the whole club. Now you have 10 tables and eight of them are promoters mm -hmm. and two are the... Habla Hibali guy that Man. you just met. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and the world goes round and round for how long? Yeah. For how long? I'm, I'm, first time on the beach, I might have been a little underage with a fake ID, but first time on the beach, I remember 7th Street Strip, reserved, bamboo. Uh, I mean, you would just walk down the strip and it was the Coconut Grove feel. It was like, you yeah. know, you get wristbanded, it was street team. You, you, you had to have a reason to kind of go out there and party. Dude. You can't walk a block and hit two clubs now on South Beach. They're all walk. scattered. You can't walk a block, period. On you can't South walk. Beach. <laughs> I walked. I went. I was out there. I was out there for a, a label dinner, and I was telling a younger DJ that I was with. I was like, "Bro, you don't understand. We were on Collins. I was like, "Bro, from when we parked to where we're gonna go eat, we would have given. We we would have been banded three times." And he's like, "What do you Easy. mean?" I was like, "Dude, this guy would have been like, yo, look, you want you want VIP at Cameo tonight? You want VIP at Mansion? Blah blah blah." And then you get the band, you walk there. Obviously, the band's not gonna get you in, but it's gonna get you to the club. And then yeah, it's gonna give you that feeling that when you get there, it's exactly. gonna mean something. Exactly. You're not just lost and aimless. Exactly. And if the guy really did his job right, you would have met the guy, known his name, mm -hmm. and you would have connected with him. And when you go to the club, you would have said, "Hey, man, Jimmy John over here or you uh, yeah. sent me down the block, right. and they said this was the spot. You got me." Yeah, if it's you know? the right. Prom I mean, and there's times that the bands did work. You know, there's times that it, it would work. There's times when it was just for show, and there's times when, you know, it was just numbers or whatever. But that experience is just different, and and so it's kind of funny though. You go to Vegas, you still get that experience. Oh right? yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. People come, bro. There's so many people, so many friends and associates, uh, acquaintances that we have that come down, and this is this is how it works. This is always how it works. Whenever I have like any of my friends that still go to Texas, they get here on Thursday. I hit them up. Yo, look, I know you got a busy weekend. I'm working all weekend. Come to my Thursday party. Your girls are not. They don't have to get super dressed up. They don't have to. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all this. They don't care. They don't want to hear it. Whatever. They're like, oh, we're here for South Beach. Blah 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 blah. We're gonna go to Story. We're going to Story tonight. I was like, cool. You guys getting a table? No, we're gonna figure it out. One a.m. My phone rings. Yo, <laughs> we're headed to Story. I'm like, bro. I'm like, first of all, if you were gonna go to Story and you wanted me to take care of you, I would have told you to be there at twelve o'clock. Meet so and so, and this and this and this and this. I would have given you. They're like, oh, but. The girls took forever to get ready. I'm like, you think I care? You think the, the people get mad at me? I'm like, yo, it's Miami. It doesn't work that way. If that's the experience that you want, cool, whatever. They get mad at me. I don't see them that night. I work at, we work at eight different venues that we rotate. Saturday, they text me, yo, what's this Wynwood spot all about? Where you working at in Wynwood? I mean, for a while back then, we kind of. like, but damn, listen, I'm, in, I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I'm usually, yo, no lie, I'm usually doing some corporate gig or like I did a pool and I'm just hanging out. And I'm like, yo, I'm just chilling. I'm like, oh, I'm in Fort Lauderdale or I'm doing whatever. And they're like, oh, man. And I'm like, for, I'm like, and I always, this is, bro, I'm always like, you guys spend all your money, right? <laughs> yeah, bro. We ended up going to 11 yesterday and they charged us 300 to get in and then we had to get a table. Then they kicked us off of the table. And I just text, welcome to Miami. Right, right. That's it. Like, I don't have time to entertain that. You know? I, I'm sure they text back when they go back home, like, man, I can't wait to go back. Right, Not. right. TBT. Oh, no, no. They post a picture the next week. It was just a week ago. TBT. They're oh. on Ocean Drive. Oh, they got they got content for the next 12 months, yeah. bro. That's why they came to Miami to begin with. And I tell people, I'm like, yo, like, if you approach me 
I'm going to tell you straight up. I tell people, yo, don't go to South Beach. And if you do want, if you have that kind of money, cool. I'll set you up with the right promoter, the right host, and you're going to have a good time. But that's if your money wants to go that long. The locals don't want to spend any money. Millennials don't want to spend any money. So South Beach back in the day was the locals that made it exactly. survive. Exactly. They, they, they kept the party going. And then you had your spenders that would come in to try to keep up or try to party with, with the locals. With And then it just flipped the script. It flipped. It went from... You know, I'm going to ask you because you proved to have a following in a local market that could bring the right girls or the right guys that spend just a little bit of money, you know, and, and you're the right dude. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to be a promoter within my company so that you can make my party funner. Right. That was That's how it all started. Now it's, yo, you got two people that will say your name? You're a promoter. Say your name. You're Blizzy Blaze at the door and uh, just, you know, everybody say your name. And then that's it. That was your training. Ho hope you could succeed. Go out there and do it. Bring the right people. Make my club better. No, you didn't explain anything. You didn't tell them how to do it. You didn't tell them what their objectives were. You didn't tell them what the expectations were. The only thing you said was, yo, bring girls, you get a bottle. Blah, blah, me, Tarzan, you, Jane. What is that, dude? <laughs> what I, is that? I think that mentality of, of kind of providing a full service and making sure everyone's having a good time is kind of what uh, trickled down into Rockwell. So I kind of want to get into like how you started uh, the DJ management aspect. Like, I know you talked about cool kids and all that, but how did you, like, all right, like, this is going to be a full-on business and we're going to provide a service that, like, no one in Miami kind of really had, like, locally at least. Office vibes. Yeah, office Downtown. vibes. Downtown. Studio yeah. vibes Professional back then. vibes. That's where we met. That's where we, that's where I come into the picture. Because, I yeah, mean, yeah. let's let's be honest. In Miami, it's, it, I mean, especially back then, it was, like, you yeah, do a gig West. and you're, like, West. I hope I get paid for this. Yeah. I always tell people it was it I'll, was Wild West like Miami back then it was first of all if you got in there how did you get in there you don't even know yeah. people wouldn't even know <laughs> I'd be like yo how does so like I mean now we we obviously know but like back then it was like yo and then when you would do it it's like you would do a gig not knowing the budget not yeah. knowing the times not knowing anything but you were there and then who do I invoice who's gonna pay me and yeah. that's why having someone yeah. on the inside an inside and, and man and by the like way Brian. whoever you invoice they probably got fired a week later so now yeah. who do you hit up to follow up to see exactly. if the check's ready <laughs> right um, so that's cool I think I think we can circle back to to how this all came about and um, I think it, 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 you know I was having fun I was having fun. Every everybody that I managed, quote unquote, at the time. Which, by the way, there's there's no manual on on artist management. Uh, right. Hey, you manage DJs. You got to do ABC to be successful. And that shit's not anywhere, dude. I will tell you that. Um, but were you like, yo, I'm gonna manage DJs, or you're like, I'm gonna book these DJs at my parties, or like, how did that? It was a little bit of both. I think in in the cool kids days, it was, yo, I want to help your career grow because you're my boy, and and if you're making more money, then we can do things together. So, you know, if, if I was able to book you, I mean, we, we could we could continue with the Jordan Sanchez uh, example. He was doing really well for himself at one point. He was doing Moe's Monday, Moe's Wednesday, Heathrow Thursday. Uh, I forgot what he was doing on Fridays, Saturdays. He was he was doing Carew and Y and all those type of parties that we were invading. Uh, Slims on a Tuesday. I mean, you add that up. You're yeah. making two, three grand, two, two, three K a week, you know, at a very early age. Well, shit, we can go out and have some fun now. Right. And I know that you could afford it, you know. And, and we were just some friends hanging out. You know, smoking a little bit of pot and fucking being friends. And uh, that, that shit doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you guys are, are, are friends amongst the DJ community. And there's a whole lot of fake shit in that world, too. You know, uh, I think you guys talk about it a little bit uh, with Crespo. The, uh, oh, 
Here hey, we go. Reference. You know, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, minute, minute. I'm going to be in town. Minute, you know? 40, yeah. minute 48, 24 <laughs> seconds. You guys talked about. Dude, Zaya used to call me all the time. Dog, I don't, I don't know. I don't fuck with this guy. He's not my friend. I don't want to hit him up. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. Nah, Zaya, you got to let him know you're going to be in town, bro. You're going to be in this city and you're going to be in that city. Don't ask him for a gig. Just let him know you're going to be there. Yeah, I used to be. Nah, bro. I don't want to hang right. out with this dude when I get there, man. <laughs> I mean, back back then, I remember I used to be real reluctant to like. I didn't want. I felt embarrassed to hit anyone up about any gig. He still about, does. He still yeah, does. Yeah, to this day, because I'm always like, bro. I mean, we're DJs. I'm not that dude. Yeah, but Brian always like. That's why having him on your side was always like key, because he could be that guy to be like. All right, yeah, that's look. that's one of the main things that I mean. I was gonna bring it up later. Like, I mean, when we talk more about management and being save the, that, save that spectrum, okay. save that we'll spectrum, because we'll I think go. I know where you're going yeah, with that. So. And, and we can, it's one we can thing. It's one of the on most one of the most important things I learned about yeah. Brian. Yo, so is Spectrum a right word to use? Or I've used it twice before anybody comments. Um, and shit. Angle. Yeah. I don't think it's not the right word. I know what you. I know what you meant. I mean, it's, it's someone comment and say the right word. I'm trying to say here. The word would be angle eh, perspective. Eh, maybe perspective. Perspective is a better one. All right, well, well, we'll keep using it. So, anyways, anyway, so so I was hanging out with my friends. We were doing our things, and then I started realizing that at certain venues, my friends were getting fucked over, and that's not cool. I'm not gonna let that ride, especially if I'm your quote unquote manager. So I was getting a little more involved then on the logistical end, and you know, no offense, you guys are DJs, you're artists, you use a different side of the brain. For those of you wondering, I've never DJed in my life. <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's let's scratch it. I'm gonna embarrass myself a little bit. So there was one time. Uh oh. All right, there was one time. I believe it was seventh grade, okay? Back then, uh, Bancho and, and Pizzy, two, you know, two of my best friends to this day, they had, a, they had a setup, and they used to DJ all the house parties, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And, uh, bro, one of them didn't show up one night, and the other guy got massive diarrhea, and he had to go to the bathroom, and he straight up told me, he's like, yo, just hit this button and move this lever to the right. Hit one and six. Because it didn't go too well. Let's just say that. It was back that ass up into some uh, like some kind of crazy booty song because back then that's all you played at house parties, right? Uh, let's just say I didn't know what a transition was, but I know it wasn't that. A lot of DJs still don't know. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. There was no Serato. I'm talking about we used to plug in CDs into these little mechanisms and it, you know you had to go to track eight. This is you what know Brian what I mean? thinks that we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You had to fast forward when to track he eight. Me, he'll text me, he's like, yo, this thing right here, that's, and I'm like, take a picture, bro. <laughs> and I'll be like, the CDJ, he's like, yeah, 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 that. Use turntables, right? That thing. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, needless to say, after that one gig, I had a, I had a good like eight to ten girls go right up to the DJ booth, boo me, and I said, I'm never DJing again. So I didn't. I've never touched the decks, and you know, until, until never, never will, never, never, never. Uh, but I was hanging out with my friends. We were doing our things. Never DJing, and I said, "No, man, people aren't going to screw over my friends because now my name is tied up to this. Now I'm the one that you're screwing, you know, over indirectly too, and, and I'm not okay with that." So a little bit more of the management aspect actually went into these DJs' careers, and then it started getting noticed by other people that weren't necessarily my friends, and they wanted a similar service. Uh, Zaya's always the first one to say, "He's like, yo, I'll give you whatever percent <laughs> yeah. to never have to send an invoice again." <laughs> to this day, you know, I I tell people, I mean, not whatever percent. No, you know what I mean. Zaya's all in, cause Zaya's all in. I tell people, yo, I'll tell people this, yo, um, whatever percentage Brian takes for me to just to look at my calendar and be like, all right, like when when we schedule shit, there's little interaction. I, I would say I'm probably one of the easiest person to work with. I'm always like, 
yes, no. And what are you saying? There's other people on the roster. It might be a little difficult. Of course, <laughs> but, but I think so. I'm just saying that, like, it's it's. Look, I look at my calendar. I look at the dates that I'm playing. If it's a venue that I haven't played, if it's a new venue, this we talk about it, and then we move forward. And you handle the invoicing. You handle talking to the person. You handle that. You handle thing, this. And also, we, we we've been working with him for so long. I think sometimes, I mean, I never forget because <laughs> I don't have to. I not having to deal with following up on checks is like my number one thing. But yo, that shit takes time to follow up on a check. Find the right person to yeah. email. Also. Uh, follow up on how the gig went maintain right. that relationship collect a check make sure you're gonna come back too right set up your calendar so you know your whole how, what your month looks like if you have to cancel something and if you have to cancel a gig you don't have to do that whole mission of like all right now i gotta email a person probably right. fuck this up probably not gonna get booked again like yo that frees up mad time for us to do shit and that's like that's why i'm and always then, like yo and then to me and then se- a podcast starts it's sending the exactly. invoice it's sending the invoice it's all that process. You said the second phase. Yeah, exactly. Then the third phase is when you actually get the check and you cash Ooh, it. And then, and then it's when you got to do taxes. Yo, <laughs> you know what it is to get 47 different <laughs> fucking W-9s? Yes, like, 1099. I mean, 1099, whatever they are. <laughs> we don't even know. I, I don't know, hey, I don't know CG, CDJs. You don't know 1099s. That's like, why we work together. When I go to do my taxes, I instead of getting probably 30 that I would normally have, I get like four or five from either like a private gig or this and that. And then one from Brian and it's like sums up. Like people don't understand the headache. Like I would literally pay even more for that. Chill, bro. No, and it's true. after the podcast. It's mm. true because also I've, you know, I've, I've kind of been around other DJs and seeing how other management and uh, companies work yeah and yo you'd be i mean i've i've told brian some stories and like yo you'd be surprised of how these companies that are like you think are like big and are are doing it operate and then i tell some of these djs like well oh you don't have a dropbox oh you don't have this like all system set up where your calendar and like and they're just like mind blown jumping the gun bro we're gonna get to that (laughs) no but i'm saying that like that 20 percent goes a long way yeah, and it includes all that too that we'll talk about. But it's, we'll jump in. It includes a whole lot more than that, and right. and sometimes you get a whole whole whomping twenty percent of zero. So we we're going to talk about that as well because a lot of DJs I think are uh, like I said artists and they think on the other side of the brain and 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 to them they're kind of just looking at it like as me, you know, because as a DJ if you've been doing this for a while, chances are you've been doing it by yourself, especially if you haven't had previous management. So it's a very me, me, me attitude because you've never been in a pool with anybody else. You know, you, you've never went swimming with anybody else. You never tried to help somebody else. They never tried to help you. And even more so in this city, you know, uh, yeah. I, I love this city, by the way. I'm not talking down on this city. I'm not talking negative. But sometimes the people in it really fucking suck. And it takes, you know, leaving this city for a couple of years to honk at somebody at McDonald's and they pay for your meal and give you a little God bless you card to realize that, man, everybody in Miami has a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess we'll jump back into the what you said, office vibes, right? Or studio vibes. And, and we'll go from there so we can get into uh, the fun topic you guys have all kind of been trying to jump in on. <laughs> I mean, I mean we're going to renegotiate our contracts. But right? anyways. On air. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so uh, we, 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 we set up a studio in downtown. It was in a famous building uh, for studios. I, I think Pole Boy was in there. Um Not a, I almost said DJ City. I don't know why. It wasn't cool. DJ City. It was, um, what, what was Ideal's first thing? When he was doing the mixtapes, uh, mixtape corner, mixtape corner yeah. was one of them. There was print shops in there. I mean, it was it was a, it was 
literally the, an, the loudest building it was in every, every, every aspect it was 11 floors of trappers rappers and mm. and everything in between and then a couple of little dorky white kids on the eighth floor trying to make a studio that was us um no actually we we're on the seventh floor if i'm not mistaken seventh floor the eighth floor was crazy as fuck um so on the seventh floor we created this vibe that was kind of like an open door policy it was it was three offices within one you had one common area you had a, a studio with, with a full couch set up. I mean, the art, the speakers, the equipment, the 60-inch TV. I mean, everything that we could possibly have put in there. And, uh, and then another office that was, quote-unquote, my office. And I guess I was the only one that was in there actually working. And everybody else in there was vibing. And, and it was dope because two DJs could come together, sit on the couch, do whatever it is that they had to do, talk, network, combine, share libraries, do everything that you guys used to do back then, which is now done on apps and social medias, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was organic. It was it was a vibe. It was a real creative space. It was real creative. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of ideas were 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 born there, you know? If if we were just all hanging out on our own time at our own houses and we didn't we didn't come together as a community like as 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 a as a group, as a team uh, then I, I think a lot of things that we were able to accomplish would have never even been born. We would have we would have never even stumbled across the idea. Uh, yeah. Now, I mean, reality versus expectations. It also put me twenty grand in the hole, you know. Uh, and which it was great. It was great. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I, I learned what being in debt was. That was great, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, remember going to the office every week, trying to figure. I'm like, well, I don't still don't understand how this makes money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it didn't. It didn't. But when you were making five dollars off of, of of this promoter, ten dollars off that DJ, fifteen dollars off that flyer order, you had a print order that you would send up to the floor above you because it was a print house, and you made thirty bucks on that. And it was just a grind. It was an all day hustle. And I think I think that's what I got addicted to. It was. It was more of the, I don't know what to expect today, but I know we're going to go and try to win. And and if you went to bed and you lost, it was cool because you just learned. So tomorrow you were able to win, you know, a little bit better just because you learned how to take an L. I mean, I, I saved the link and, and you guys should post it on your Instagram or whatever, but you, I'm sure you both know uh, the little uh, pit bull like mad years ago. He's like, there's no winning. There's only, you know, there's no losing. There's yeah. only opportunities. Yeah. And Fact. I mean, if you don't get goosebumps when you hear that, you're in the wrong business, bro. Go go apply to Chase, man. They got great benefits. Uh, you know, go get a nine to five. Go do your thing. Start a family. Whatever it is you're trying to do, but if you do get goosebumps when you hear things like that, then you you're gonna understand what it is to be an artist or an entrepreneur or anything else that falls under that category. Because right. nothing's guaranteed, dude. Nothing. I mean, you could be on top of the world today. And, and you're, you're shit tomorrow and, and you're using your savings and you're you're in desperate mode and it's like, what's next? And vice versa. You might be eating beyond your savings. I mean, I'm blessed to say I have great credit because at an early age, I, 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 I did the right things with bank, you know, bank accounts and my family put me in a great position to succeed. But, you know, if it wasn't for that, this would have never been possible. The 20K I owed, those were on credit cards. Getting crushed with interest rates. I'm talking about I'd make a $1,000 payment and it would go up 1,200 bucks. I mean, it was, it was like uh, you, were, you were stuck in the sea of shit and you right. were just going to wake up stinky no matter how hard you paddled. And uh, it took me you know, to realize what do I do now to get myself out of this hole because I got a team of people that are counting on us to win and they're looking at me for direction and I'm lost on top of the sale, like just like, yo, where are we going, dude? Uh, so I think that that was the time that a couple more people joined the realm. Uh, cool Chicks was really doing their thing. They had Mansion on, on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and we were the the people on Fridays at Cameo. Um, 
it was EDM for a while, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, and then it, it turned world, world sounds, world sounds, and uh, and I think uh, a little bit before that, it was Irie's famous night, which kind of like helped all of us get put on the night, um, and we took it from there. We took it from there. I mean, fast forward the story, I became the assistant promotional director for Opium Group uh, right before leaving to Vegas. I mean, worked up the quote unquote corporate ladder, and I always tell people this is the most unprofessional industry. This, I'm sorry, this is the most professional industry that's ran unprofessionally. And you don't really know that until you wake up and you're in the industry. You know, when you're when you're younger and you want to be a part of this, the only thing you could think about is partying. is is partying and doing this for a living. Like you look at your your older brothers or your siblings or or your family, and you're like, you know, they have a job, and you're like, man, this is my job. And then you go to pick up the check, and you realize you don't have benefits, you don't have shit. You're you're a subcontractor. You're paying taxes at the end of the year on all that money. You know, you're you're tipping on that free alcohol. You're you're paying for valet. There was no Uber back then, you know. And when you go to do the math, you lost five bucks to go party or to go to your job that weekend. That sucks. Uh, so I was able to kind of play chess, and and I think that's right when Kaz, um, join or sorry, Killer Kaz at the time. Back then, uh, fucking Killer Kaz. Uh, back then. That, that's when Killer Kaz back then joined uh, the platform along with a couple other familiar familiar names and. And we, we, we were able to grow a little bit. And as, as, a, as a cumulative, as a, as a team, we agreed that, A, cool people at the time, we were just, we outgrew it, right? We were all a little bit older and we were still cool, but now we were just people. And, uh, and, and you know, thing number two, it'd be a, a smart idea to kind of collaborate with maybe some older people in the industry that could open new doors and, and provide for us uh, that office setting and everything else that we, we, we just spoke about and not cost me thousands of dollars a month to be able to do that. I mean, I found a way, I guess, to work on someone else's penny to be able to self-grow the team. And, and that was always my objective. I, it wasn't how Brian becomes the best booking agent in the world, which, by the way, I'm not a booking agent. I'm a, I'm a talent manager. Uh, but we'll get into that for sure when we hit when we hit the management <laughs> talk. When we hit the second uh, second episode. You know, and... Uh, and we were we, we were at the time we dropped all the the cool shit and we, we merged with Profresh, yeah. uh, which uh, for those of you that know Miami history, it was like the sister company to Vitamin C, Oof. and uh, and there was the DJ the DJ side of it, and I was I was you know hired quote unquote or merged with them uh, to be the director of bookings for it, and I I ran the the, the department and I I think I ran it better than what they expected the and, and yeah well the whole company i didn't want to say it but <laughs> i'll say everything you fuck know, that guy you know? i saw him oh. on sunday fuck him bro damn so, i like that <laughs> and you know i kind of throw this in here i think the only thing i came premeditated to this thing was the one thing i wanted to point out and, and and it goes hand in hand with some of the things we've said i think my three biggest mentors in this industry have all taught me what not to do fact and that's crazy that's crazy yeah they they all open doors yeah, they all put me in a position that I could, you know, do something with it. But I was the one that broke through that door and that position and made an opportunity become a realistic thing. And once I outgrew the fact that they were doing it wrong, I learned how not to treat people, how not to do business, how not to owe people money, how not to screw over somebody, how not to ever think I'm bigger than the whole team. Because mm -hmm. I'm not. I mean, the first thing I tell DJs when we start working together is, yo, you can't outgrow me. The only way you can outgrow me is if I'm not working. So the bigger you get, the bigger we get, because I'm going to be right there with you working along the path. And, and it's probably why a lot of people that start working with me uh, as in regards to management really stick for the whole ride. You know, the whole roster, when they sign, uh, 
they're either here for good because they understand what we're trying to do as a whole or you know they have the me mentality and they can't they can't really adapt to the team setting and we agree to go our own ways but i can't think of one person that might have left the uh the roster like man fuck you fuck this this shit ain't going right you guys ain't doing shit because at the end of the day we do do shit and we do work every day and and we put in the time that's necessary to stand out um so pro fresh got me out of debt it was great it was a weekly check didn't bounce at least till the end and uh and went from there we kept growing and then we realized, like, I guess we learned, you know. I think that put a lot of us on the map. That put a, a lot of us on people's radar. I mean, because I was new to Miami. I was new to the scene. And people were like, yo, who's this guy? But he's co-signed with all these other guys that are doing And like shit. you said, we had that. Like, so it benefited all of us we at had the time. A, we had that, like, you know, it was a legitimate office, uh, to and be honest. Legit. Legit. Like, legit. It was like a 4K a month office, if man. If you want to have a, a meeting, footage. You know, uh, meeting or impress someone or, you know, do something, like right. we had the spot. And, right. like, you know, well, that's something else I learned from Buddy. You right. know, we're not in a studio right now. We had to upgrade our how we look. You know, if someone was to walk in here right now, we had a meeting. I mean, I'm not, we're not in a 4K in a month <laughs> office, you know what I mean? But we're also not throwing 100, 100 you know, 1,000 people festivals and doing, you know, things that they were doing. Um, but yeah, Pro, ProFresh taught us a lot. And I think we outgrew the platform. And we all came together one day and, and we said, dude, fuck this, this guy. I'm not going to con- continue to make him money. Let's start focusing how we how we make this ours. And uh, I guess we'll fast forward to how Rockwell started. I mean, mm-hmm. We shouldn't get that segue. It was like an entourage moment. Dude. Yeah, the, Literally was. Like dude. Ari Gold, it was, Secret, it was, it was, CC Fly. CC Fly. What, what was it? Um fucking patio patio table conversation dude we were late night patio table conversation we were in like a 90 square foot office okay oh at alex oh, oh yeah alex Dad's i was talking office. about i was talking about your parents crib no we, no we had no. multiple meetings there. no 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 we we got together at, in, in, that's right. in, in in one by, of my, one of my mentors by uh, mall of no americans there right. you go <laughs> by one of my mentors dad's office and it was a it's a tiny you know little office and we were all in there sweating because it was after working hours and the ac was off and we were just looking at each other and we're like, dude, what the hell do we call ourselves? <laughs> uh, and I forgot who said what that kind of triggered it. It was, was kind of like, like. I think I asked the question. I'm we like, yo, were, what do you DJs do? You know? I, I mean, we, 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 we scratch. We, we wanted to say, we, going back to it, like, it was like, yo, like, that we're dope. That was our shit. <laughs> right? You remember? And we were like, yo. But like, we got it in, like, pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, it was. Within one hour, we were. But we yeah. were just like, yo, something now. It's like, we're dope. And what we didn't even have like secondary names dude, dude we had a, a zillion but i mean you came up with the word <laughs> right we but had, brian a, we would had be a whole like, lot of bad ideas brian right? would be like the room players I'm like, what are you talking about bro like it'd be like the worst disc jockey management yeah it'd be like the worst <laughs> suggestions and i'm like bro like something I, and i was like yo something kind of like trendy it sounds dope like um what did i say like like party something like i didn't we wanted to stay away from like the generic party or like cheese ball shit but that it meant something that we would do just like you're saying it yep. was like yo like you know we rock like and it and was we do it well we do it well yeah we're like yo that we we kill it or like you yeah. know we shine it was like something like, like we were flexing but corporately like yeah we rock very well yeah <laughs> not like yo we fucking rock the party it was right. like, yeah, dude and, well. and for anybody listening right now that's ever been in a room with a couple of people that you consider your friends or your teammates and and you're thinking or, or brainstorming on on a topic, and you hit it. That feeling. That's why I do this. You guys asked why I made it. It was like this? an exhale, dude. We were like rock. We well. we heard rock. We rock, and then rock, well, we rock well, and then we all looked at each other. And we we're like, that's fucking it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We nailed it. No. 
And we then did. we're like, now what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we crossed the street and we went to Carla's and we got a colada yeah, and fact. we celebrated. And then uh, everybody looked confused. And I said, all right, guys, I guess this is where I come in. And we had to do everything we had to do to make it legit. And, and, and I mean, we had to do it quick. We, yeah. we, we had already left ProFresh. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? We're on Flagler in 82nd freaking out. What do we do? What do we do? Went from like uh, a, a $4,000 a month office to like to <laughs> the, the, the Starbucks with the with the token yeah, key. Oh, man. my God. Only we, only we didn't have Lloyd. It was, us, it was us meeting, us having meetings at Starbucks next to the guy that was about to get scammed <laughs> on Herbalife. Yeah, like, dude. We had the dude. We had the dude selling Herbalife, and then right across from us, there was some dude with a full display of knives, and they were selling knives. Dude, it was, and then Kaz didn't like, have long hair, thank yeah. God, because they like, would have tried to sell them that on That day, shit. everyone in Starbucks was trying to start companies. Yeah, it, it was like, <laughs> we were out there. We, we were having a meeting at Starbucks, and we could tell the dude had like the PowerPoint presentation out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the girl studying for the final one in oh the back. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That Starbucks. was like always, we, like for <laughs> the first couple of months, it was always at the meeting at Starbucks. And then we or would go, my parents' house. Or yeah. your parents' house. Or then, and then we would go eat next door. Oh, yeah, Kitchen Girl. Yeah. All day. It's not Rest no, in peace. Yeah, now it's like a freaking. The OG. Yeah. What is it now? It's like some Argentinian. Toro, Toro. It's fire. It's fire, yeah. Kitchen Girl, though. Oh, there's the H Street and Yeah. Yeah, I was there the other day and I was like, shit, what happened to Chicken Girl? remember, yeah. we I was at the meetings there. Yeah. So we, from there, I mean, it was a it was a it was a very important point too because we were all growing too. I think we like all our gigs we were outgrowing in them and that's when we started to open. That's when we started to like get into the South Beach spots and like get into these venues that were like looking like it was just a shift in the nightlife, you know. I we talk about it all the time, like conflict started traveling, his tier of DJs started moving more. So it's something that hasn't happened or I guess it won't happen for a long time. Is that everybody shifted, so it opened up that door. I was like, perfect. Well, timing. no, it's actually shifting right now, just not in our favor. That's what I'm saying. It's shifting back. I right, mean, right. It's shifting way back. Like but, it's going. Yeah. Yeah, it was just perfect timing. I mean, I think when we left ProFresh, we weren't even like mad. We we're like, all right, now we could do our own shit. I was happy. Yeah, I was fucking happy because it was all, cool, all but it was like all we, five of us were we, happy. We had to like always run it through them, which. At the end of the day, it was not only that we had to do whatever they gave us. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of shit on the table there that we didn't want to be associated with, but we had to. Yeah, we were right. doing. We were I was doing I was twenty four, twenty five years old, still promoting Slims on Tuesdays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to be there, but I had to from make my salary. Yeah. Right. You know, and get us all out of debt, or or me, or whatever. You know. Yeah, I mean, same here. I was. I mean, I'm. Yeah, there was a bunch of kids. I'd be like, bro. I mean, I, and I. We, I we, liked Slims because I, I mean, I was new to it. I was new to working with you guys, and I was one of the as best parties. As a DJ, I could see how you would like Slims. Fuck as yeah, a promoter, bro. dog, the hangover on Wednesday was real, yeah. man. It was I, real. I was telling the story. Did we tell it on the podcast? Or right. I was telling somebody the story. Oh no, this is the best story. This is the time that uh, they wouldn't let live it up in. I don't. I never heard that. Well, well, we were talking about Slim's period. That story's for later. We'll we'll wait for that one. But we were talking about like Dollar Beer Tuesdays. How yep. you would walk in and it was like the high bar is a six by one and a half foot <laughs> bar, and it was completely covered six feet, seven feet of oh, just beers. beer cups, beer like the whole thing. Yeah, man. People would walk in with twenty bucks and be like twenty dollars, boom, yep. thirty dollars, boom. You get nineteen beers and one dollar tip. Yeah, exact fact though, and the yep. white girls hated it. Yep. But um, but yeah, I mean, we built. This is this is my angle from when I saw Brian do. Like when I came into the picture, you already had a working machine going. So for me to fall in, it was. I think it benefited you too because I came with experience. So it wasn't like oh shit, I have this new guy that the fuck how he's gonna be. But like you knew that I 
knew how to DJ. You know, I was new to the team, but I wasn't new to the nightlife. And it benefited me to work with somebody. I wasn't working with a new promoter. You weren't working with a new DJ. So we both had kind of some experience. And we kind of met halfway for the first few years or tried to. And then after the first couple of years, everything just kind of worked and it's fallen into place. And since Rockwell, like, People don't understand the structure. People don't understand. People think that this shit just like popped off, but it's like twenty years of. I think that goes into anything, right? And and for for the DJs listening, that always kind of send the questions, and you know, what do I got to do, and and right. this and that. Keep swimming, dude. What you got to do is keep working on your shit. Eventually, you're gonna get noticed by the right person, and opportunity's gonna come, and you'll actually be prepared to 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 bang that opportunity out of the park. You know, everybody wants to win, but nobody wants to show up to practice. So what happens when you show up to the game and all of a sudden you're going against somebody that's better than you or or you have an opportunity and you completely shit the bed because, I mean, in your head, you wanted the headline live since you were born. Yeah. But, but can you? Right. So at 19, 20, 21, 24, 25, it doesn't matter the age. Right. If you don't have the legwork, you don't have the work, the discipline, the commitment that it takes to succeed in anything you're trying to do then you're going to get that opportunity, you're going to shit the bed, and you're not going to get another one. Yep. So don't rush to get that opportunity. Prepare, work out, like like mentally, uh, emotionally, physically, like, like get yourself in the game first, and then worry about being the MVP. Then worry about winning the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? But you got to be in the right room with the right people. You got to learn. Hey, for everybody out there that just started DJing in the last decade, you still don't know shit. You really don't. Because you got to put yourself in a room with people that do know shit so you can learn. And you're not going to do that by always trying to show up to the biggest game. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. So for everybody that kind of assumes what, what you just said, Kaz, and that it was kind of built overnight or, or you know, ABC, whatever, whatever the case may be, good. Because I don't want anybody stupid enough to put in the work to become my competition. This shit's 10 years, bro. 10 years. And this year is the first year I finally could afford heat season tickets. All right? 10 years. Are <laughs> you willing? Are you willing? Yeah, flexing hard as fuck because I worked for it. Yeah. You know? 10 years. Are, are you going to wake up for 24 months every day and owe 30 grand at the end of that and say, woo, can't wait to do it again tomorrow? Right. No, a lot of people don't. And that's why a lot of people don't succeed. But the ones that have been around forever in whatever it is that you do, you're still around for a reason. You lost. You showed up to the game. You lost. You took that knowledge. You dissected it. You put in the work. You got back in the game. You kept trying. And you took your baby steps. And sometimes that baby step is backwards. And you have to take it. You know, If, if you don't, you're always going to be crawling. There is no steps to take. You're, you're eventually just going to hit a wall. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to be like, oh, that's it. What else can I do? What else can I do with my time? This ain't working. This ain't working. Yeah, of course it ain't working. You just started. <laughs> it's not supposed to work. You know? Right. I think there was a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but there was a couple people or companies and teams, whatever, that tried to, you know, I could list them all, bro. The they still ain't doing it. Agencies, or I mean, they're still ain't even around. That's what I mean. They still ain't doing it. Meaning they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't get past the point of yourself. Because it comes to a point. I mean, my accountant straight up told me on year two, hey, if you go another year of losing money, this isn't considered a job to the IRS. It's considered a hobby. Just letting you know, like you can't continue to write things off and and do everything you're doing because the IRS is eventually going to raise a red flag. How are you living? Yeah. You are, you, you know, you're twenty, thirty grand in the hole. 
what are you you know what are you doing and i mean the pre-sale cash money and other things we're definitely helping things uh stay afloat but it goes back to you, you sometimes got to do things outside of the of the realm outside of, of what you're currently trying to do to be able to keep that afloat uh i love the sujit drive an uber thing Drive a fucking Uber if you need money, man. Nobody will know it. You'll be able to sustain your hobby, quote unquote, until you do it well enough that you can consider it your job, you know, or your career or your passion or your path, uh, whatever it is that you may do. Uh, but if you think that it's just going to be given to you just because you're standing in a corner for X amount of times, it ain't happening. It doesn't work that way. You we've, know? we've seen a lot of those guys come and go. Come and go. <laughs> and some of them are still standing around in the corner with the Shazam out or writing down the edit names or doing whatever it is that they do. And I won't name drop. You know what I mean? But you guys Damn. know who it is. You guys know Shit. who it is. Nah, and who? if you yourself know that you're one of those guys, dog, change it up. It ain't working. You're going on year 15. It ain't working. Like, you know, like you, you, you got to try something new. You got you to gotta get out of your comfort zone and you got to work harder. Not just work the same for the sakes of working. That's uh, funny you say that because, like, I'm, I mean, like you said, you've encountered a lot of those type of people. So, like, how <laughs> how did you, like, want to keep pursuing this when you're, like, the, like, how do you have the passion to be, like, every day wake up and be, like, yo, like, tell DJ whatever so-and-so on the roster, like, yo, you need to do this, you need to do that. Or, like, because, I mean, I mean, I've seen you. You have sometimes you just are, like, yo, this person doesn't want to, doesn't understand. So, it's, like, because a lot of people that start this don't realize how, hard it is to manage djs hmm. as people because they're just like lazy they're djs that's and that's one of the main things like even bro like even if if i get like i've gotten a private get hit up for a private gig and whatever and i book somebody bro i have the biggest headache because <laughs> i'm doing like like for single in mayo like they hit me up for this thing and i'll i'll put whoever and i'm like Oh my God! I gotta like expect this DJ to be here at this time, and what if he's not there? And this, but like, and I always every time I do it, I'm always like, oh, I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna tell Brian. Then I do it, and then I'm like, Fuck, man! I should have <laughs> told Brian. But it's a headache. It's because we're all weirdos. We're all artists, yeah. like, and we all like. You're like, ah, you know, if if I'm there like ten minutes prior, nah, bro, you still gotta set up. And if it's a private thing, you gotta be there. Like, what are you and even what wearing? What do you, you dress? What happens when you forgot the RCA cable? Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, you, you have understand. eight minutes to troubleshoot. Figure it out. Somebody shows up in shorts to do a freaking corporate gig. Like, right. We've dealt. I've seen it all. You know? The the other day I had to I hit up Brian because like I, I got injured and I couldn't DJ. But then when I when I hit him up, I was like I was like yo, that's funny because like if I didn't have if I didn't hit you up, I probably would just like I don't know not show up. <laughs> like if I had to talk yeah. to the person, and be like. Yeah, so I was uh, trying to be a martial artist and I got injured, so I can't DJ tonight. <laughs> right. uh, figure it out. Thank you. Bye. Like, yeah. they'd be like laughing. Let, let's at me. talk about that situation, actually, so people could put things into perspective. So I bust my ass. I mean, bust my ass to get Zaya into this gig that he hasn't done in, in a few months, right? I mean, we're, we're really trying to, you know, get him back in there. We get him in there. All right. He's got a date. Now I'm looking at 20% of that gig, right? For all the work I did. To get him back in there. I'm talking about months of emails, passing by, <laughs> showing face, kissing ass. We finally get him back in there. All right. Now he hits me up week of, okay, and says, yo, my ribs, I can't, I can't laugh. I'm in the fetal position and all this shit. And, I, and you know, genuinely, he's my boy. So I got to say, hey, Zay, I hope you feel all right, right? But now we got to put things into perspective. I just worked three months to get you back into this gig to make 20% <laughs> of whatever the budget is, right? Now week of, I got to work twice as hard to get you out of this gig without looking like a total piece of shit 
and you don't get the budget. So now these are one of those scenarios that I just, you know, mentioned in the beginning. I got a whole 20% of zero dollars for working four months for that shit. You know what I mean? Is that the one that I did this week? No, no, nobody no. did it. I didn't make a dollar. <laughs> they, they got and that's what, when I hit him, I was like, I was like, I hope someone's open because yeah, this means zero of zero. Nobody was open. And the guy that ended up doing it is 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 somebody that, you know, to say it lightly, there's no money in my pocket because yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, better, it's better for the relationship than the money. Hey, but you know, this, this is why we do it, bro. <laughs> so to answer your question, how do you keep doing it when situations like that happen? Uh, I guess you could say I'm not as smart as I think I am. Uh, but no, on, on, on a, re a realistic point, it's, it's at the end of the month when I start doing numbers, not my numbers, but all your guys' numbers, and I look across the board and I'm like, damn, there's, what, what are we now, 12, 13 official, unofficial names, right? All of you guys are eating. Right, I, all you guys are are living off this. I don't think there's one DJ on the roster that has a day job, with the exception of maybe Entice with Ninety Nine Jams, and it's still not a day job. He's DJing all day. I mean, and and to, the thing about it, you could he's doing commercials. You bro. you couldn't fill that date. They're supposed yeah. to show you. You couldn't fill the date Literally, with anyone there was on the team. Nobody available that could have rocked that. It's, it's just thirteen people booked. It's, there's a lot of people that I work with. Uh, you know, your boy Giggs has come up hard Oof. since since. Uh, since you put them on, you know, there's a lot of gigs that, that there's a lot of gigs that there's I need guys like Garrett. gigs. Garrett, <laughs> uh, DJ name is Garrett. Let's sure, Garrett. Get that classic name. And two T's because I had to ask. Um, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I hope. I hope. If it isn't, it is now. He'll, Garrett, two he'll, T's. He'll, he'll be up here in a little bit. So, you know, I guess I guess the realistic answer is that I care. And I, and I care about winning more so than I care about my well-being, you know, whether it be business or whatever. And, and when I have 13, 14 guys that are on the roster that are working, you know, consistently, not just DJing, I mean, everything you guys do, let's circle back to what a DJ does, right? This isn't uh, 90s carry your crates or find somebody that, to, you know, to carry your crates, play your records and get out of there and collect your thousands of dollars. There's marketing, there's politics, there's uh, strategic brainstorming, there's, you know, Everything and anything that goes into an artist's world mixed with an entrepreneur, mixed with a promoter, mixed with you better know all the uh, all the Alibabas that you just mentioned because you got to sell tables. I mean, you better know all staff members by first name. These are all things that that you're not supposed to be doing as, as DJs. I mean, your brain just isn't set up that way and you're, you're being forced to do that. So the fact that everybody on the roster for the most part uh, does does all these things? It it just goes to show that we're 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 a team that's working in the right direction as a unit. Um, and as more doors open, more opportunities are going to come to the table because of it. And when the opportunities come to the table, it's it's up to the right preparation to be able to capitalize on those and and take the whole platform to to whatever the next level may be. Um, so I keep doing this, I think, for for hopes of growth. Uh, it goes back to getting addicted to that grind, to that hustle. I mean. From selling pre-sale tickets to selling DJs to tutoring to managing a venue, I mean, there's 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 a lot of you know hats that I wear, and and it all equates to I do it because I want to do it correctly, I guess. And and there's also a lot of people around here not doing it correctly, and I like standing out. I like standing out for being the one that does do it correctly, um, and not me. I mean, us like as a unit, the team. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I think doing it correctly for all these years, even though like uh, some like you said, you're eating shit for a while, dog shit, <laughs> getting in debt, but all that time that people dealt with you, and then all these people came and went, like companies dissolved, 
DJs moved, got nine of fives, whatever, whatever. Now it's like, yo, it paid off because people are like, yo, these guys have been around for so long. Credibility, credibility behind the brand. And you know what? Professionalism. One thing, one thing I noticed, and I was gonna, I was gonna mention this, that I think that we've been the reason why we have succeeded the way that we have is because we've always been the underdog. Mm-hmm. We've always been the underdog. Like none of like there hasn't there's there's never been an ego. There's never been a me first. I mean, or if whoever's here is 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 around, they're um doing what they're doing. Whoever's still with us has never been like, yo, what about me? And those people that I mean, no offense to anybody, whoever's been though, oh, but Zaya, but this, but Cass, oh, how is Cass this? How is Cass that? Those people don't work with us anymore. Right, because we realize, yo, I've never asked about so and so gig, or I've never been like, yo, if I have, it's more on the business side of like, yo, how's this and how's that. But having that ego and having that like, oh, I want to, you know, fuck. There's no reason why so and so should be doing this and I should be doing this. But I've been, I've never said I, I, I. When you say I, when you start a conversation with I, with you, it never ends, right? No, I, hell I've, no. I realize that, like, <laughs> hell no. So it's, and it, and it's also this is. I mean, you've been talking a lot. I'm, I'm gonna say my analysis from you. I was gonna ask you, well, what did you guys first take of in, all, that, in that era? More you so, and Zaya, because I know where his mind was at. You so know, first of all, I first, had just met you. How we met? I mean, we've talked about it. It was at the battle. You know, we talked right. about the whole Louis battle, and like, I knew who you were. I was making my own moves. I was doing my own little shit, and I had met Jordan, and and I knew who you were, and I knew how you moved. So when we sat down, it was like, cool, all right, perfect, let's work, and. You approach me. I never approach you. And that's what all DJs got to understand. Like, if you are looking for a manager, you don't need a manager. If you're looking for an, an agent, you don't need an agent. If you look, if you have time to look, you have enough time to do all that shit on your own. What worked with me was that you were, like I said, you know, you knew that I was, I was trying to get my foot in the door and I was trying to get good with everybody and I didn't suck as a DJ. So you vouch for me. So you, we, 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 we became, we had that relationship and it's always been, on some work shit of like, yo, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Like, you know, you always kind of kept me in check, and I always, we always agreed to agree or to disagree, and it's always been a good flow. And the main thing is that we've always had an understanding. I've never disrespected you in any kind of way. I've never been like, yo, but fuck this, that, blah, blah, blah. Like, if we have an issue, we talk it out, and it's business. It's communication. It's communication. You know, I feel this type of way because of this. And then I say, well, you either feel the wrong way, and this is why, or, oh, shit, I didn't see it that way. Maybe I could adjust this and, 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 and fix some things moving forward. And there was a there was a long time when I disagreed with everything you said. I mean, <laughs> I, I think, think we all went and through. And we all went through the point where you're like, you, you literally put all of us through this boot camp of like, yo, what the fuck? I would text these guys like, yo, what the fuck is Brian? What the fuck is Brian talking about? That makes no sense. And we all had, and I think it's a natural instinct as a DJ to have some kind of jealousy or envy or feel stuck or you plateau. It's completely normal. It also shows that like, I mean, we butted heads so many times, but it was like, because we cared about what we were yeah. doing it wasn't like yeah, yo and vice versa like yeah exactly i'm talking about all of us like it wasn't like a yo book you here get my 20 percent, and see you next week no it was and like the, and, the, and then going back to the percentage thing it's like yo like like i remember bro like people would be like man 20 percent, blah 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 and then in my head i'd be like fuck man brian's <laughs> taking fucking let's say i made brian's saying this 100 bucks bro what the fuck and then, then I literally, it wasn't until I think it was Brian or Paul that broke it, Isaiah or Paul that broke it down. They were like, bro, 
You know, Brian, out of that hundred bucks, probably gets like fifteen dollars <laughs> as a profit. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, the flyer that you asked for, that's part of your twenty percent. You know, the this and this that you asked for. You know, the new stickers that you want. You know, the the any people don't understand that like we have a team. We have succeeded because we have a team. It's a team effort. And there's different angles and there's different things. And that's one thing that like. I've met other DJs. I've known other people that, you know, I've, I've, I sat down with OFM. I'll, I'll say their fucking name. I don't give a shit. Woo! I sat down with them, and they're fucking thieves. They never paid me for shit. They, they never paid I, a lot of people. They never paid a lot of DJs. I know DJs that they owe in the $15,000 amount. Like, yo, because this fat fuck scammed everybody and took the fucking money and left. Is that somebody that I trust? No, I never trusted that guy. But off the rip, he came off as a shady motherfucker. And as quick as he put people on, those people fell off. Mm-hmm. That's it. We've been the underdogs. We've been steady. We've been grinding, and we've done our shit to where we're at. And for the last five years, people been looking like, "Yo, this is going on, Miami. Oh, this Cass guy, Isaiah guy. Oh, this." And then the way that we move, everybody has an eye on us. Everybody knows what the shit. Everybody knows the shit we're doing, and I'm glad that they're seeing it because it's just gonna get better. I leave it at that. I leave it at that. But yeah, I mean that's that's my my take, and you know that's why we've gone along, and it's it's. You know, it's never been. You're not. I'm not supposed to get along with you. Like we're supposed to butt heads. And then this is where the the the, the thing that you were gonna say, how you talk to this and you talk to that. The most important relationship that we've built is how to address clients. That, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, so if I'm DJing somewhere, if I'm working somewhere, if somebody likes what I do, if somebody wants to book me, somebody hits me up. If it's a third person, somebody new. I forward them to you. I, I mean, I indulge in the conversation until it gets to that point, and then I send them off to you. And I kind of want to get into that process without giving away too many so, secrets. Yeah, exactly. Listen, many, man, I'll give away all my secrets because people sauce. are too lazy to put it to play. Right, exactly. But, like, maintaining those let's relationships yeah, and, like, and, like, following up with clients and, like, getting us into new venues or traveling or whatever let's get into Let's get into what I was going to address, and you already know where I'm going. The good guy versus the bad. That's yes. Brian's favorite. A good guy versus the like, bad guy. I mean, because we've, you know, there's DJs that hit us up or like, oh, how did you get into that spot? Or like, I've sent them a million emails. I'm like, yeah, yeah they don't want to talk to DJs. Yeah. But like, I remember, I forgot, I forgot the spot, but you would send the email every single month <laughs> for like a year. Right. And I'd be like, bro, I mean, whatever, go ahead. I don't care. You're going to be annoying. Right. And then literally a year, I forgot, it, I wish I remember, but they hit us back. I don't remember, but it was it was an out of town gig too. So then they hit us back like, "Oh, you know what? Oh no, something Chicago." And they're like, "Oh, you know what? Oh, we finally got right. a freaking date for you. That's Here right. you go, bro." Because right. you're so annoying, but yeah. you know what? One open, and yeah. we nah, need but someone. There's, there's a difference between annoying, right, 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 persistent, right, right. Yeah. and and just being right. You know, so if I email you every day, that's annoying, right? Right. But if I just happen to email you every time I'm working on your guys' calendars and just wanted to, you know, shoot over some avails for them to have it, you know, handy, that's not annoying. I mean, I'm not telling you, hey, have have you heard uh, Zaya's new fart? It's the best fart in town. You got to book them. You got to book them. You know what? You know what I mean? Like, what, no. what most people, what most people don't understand is that Suja's doing the same shit. Everybody's doing Everybody's the same doing shit. The that's same how shit. they're getting gigs. People think that people get. People think that like the club booker is like sitting on his couch and he's like, oh, DJ XYZ. Oh my God! I want the. Book I gotta this work guy. with him. Look no, at this picture he just posted. Yeah. Let's get him. Damn, uh, damn! He just posted this picture, bro. It's so good, man. He looks so deep. I always oh, tell man. people this: people work on bookings periodically. 
I mean, if you're a booker for a venue, if you're a GM that got, you know, forced to book DJs now because bookers are irrelevant and, and they're a thing of the past, whatever the case may be, you're not in a room 24 hours a day thinking about your bookings. You're, you know, especially the GM route. You got your inventory, you got your staff, you got your scheduling, you got 150,000 things going on. You got the lawsuit from two weeks ago for the drunk girl that slipped on ice. You got, you got a zillion things going on. So that one 10-minute session that you actually sit in a room with maybe your board of managers or, or the two guys that you trust on their opinion and you say, hey guys, who the fuck should we book next month? All right, we got four Saturdays to fill. If your name's not coming up, it's not going like, miraculously, to miraculously pop up in their conversation. You got to stay relevant in their heads. You got to be posting those pictures that they do look at. You got to be sending those emails that are quote unquote annoying because they're not really annoying. They're just reminders. Hey, by the way, this awesome brand is out here and you're not currently working with us. So how do we change that? Right? How do we start a working relationship so that I can get your feedback? And let, you know, if he sucks and you hate him, I won't ever email you back about him. I'm going to email you about somebody else on the roster for sure. Uh, but in the meantime, how do we start working together? How, how is it that when you're in that room, and, and you guys might not know this, but people that book DJs for the most part, if it's not a DJ or one of the last 10 bookers left in, in the world, you hate doing this shit, man. You don't want to worry about scheduling. And that's what's, that's, that's been your niche. And like it's that you love doing this and shit. And it's, it's literally <laughs> love doing this shit. But it's, it's locked us in on some steady shit. And it's a really good approach. I don't know how much you want to break it down of it, but it's such a good mentality because it's like it's like the fucking you're tapping your mom like hey every like every so often hey 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 and then she's like what do you want and then it's like your zipper's down yeah and then they're like oh shit actually you are of help right and then right, right, like, right. oh shit it's that annoying email like, you keep getting from the restaurant right and then you finally say bro i'm off friday i got this 50 percent off coupon it starts off like a free dessert and then it goes up to like Free 10, per, 10 off your birthday. And then finally they're like, yo, this dude's not coming in. 50% off the whole tab. And you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to go give it a try, right? When you walk into that restaurant, if the hostess was rude, you sat down, the steak sucked, and the server was a piece of shit, and then they sent you an email saying, hey, 100% off, you probably still wouldn't go back. Your experience sucked. Now, if you went and you gave it a try and you had a good experience... You might go back without it, without it, without any percentage off. You might right. just try it again, right? Because it went right. And so I think one thing we've been able to capitalize on is giving people a good experience. How many quote unquote booking agents out there are scumbags? They're 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 douchey. They're pushy. They they try to sell their product like it's the only product on the shelf. Dude, there's a lot of DJs out there. So nine out of ten times when they book with us, it's because they like fucking with me. Or they like fucking with you guys. Or they're your friends. And so when you show up to that gig, they're like, man, so happy to see you. You know, you you, you always, you know, bring the positive attitude. Or it's a, full, it's a full circle. I think that we offer like a full circle product in the sense of you dealt with a booker. Example, we can use. So like we you, you approach somebody. We got in. We got good. We go with the managers. We walk in. We say hi to everybody. We, we go on up. our off nights. We you show follow face. up. I follow up. We're there, you know. We talk, bro. It's it's just it's almost. It's, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna right. take the words out of Zaya's mouth. It goes back to being a decent human being. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It all but goes it, back to being so, a decent human so being. It's so simple, bro. Like if you do things right, 
you you're professional you're organized and you're a good person like people are gonna like that bro people if, are gonna want to put all of back. that yeah. if you put all of that into a description and, and that's, you have to care exactly and going back to the going back to like the the good guy bad guy thing like there's times when i know that there's been some stress going back and forth maybe for a date or whatever or this swap or whatever and i'm when that happens when like i know that there's some kind of tension with brian I'm extra nice. And then they're like, oh. And then I'll mention, say something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just we've been busy. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah he's such a dick, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, like taking a shot, like, yo, yeah, you know, Brian can be such a dick. Oh, yeah, I know, man. But, like, but he hits me back. Like, and I'm like, oh, let's take a shot, bro. Blah, blah, blah. And it, it's all the fucking game. I'm being the nice guy. So when he turns around, he's like, yo, Cass killed it, man. Or like, you know, it was such a good night, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, cool. He's like, so he got the three dates this time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a DJ, how are you supposed to act? Ask that. Exactly. You know? exactly. I always give people this, this scenario. Uh, good. You, you say good versus bad because I say it a lot. But um, you're a DJ, right? Somebody hits you up for a gig, right? That's it. You lost if you're the one dealing with it. Because if they offer you a two hundred dollar budget and you say no, man, your head blew up. You you think you're bigger than you are. I had this opportunity. I gave it to you and you didn't even take it. Like, who the fuck does this guy think he is all of a sudden? You know, three years ago, he was, or seven years ago, he was DJing at Slim's for, you know, $8 and a bag of chips. Like, like what, 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 what does he think he is now? So you lost. And if you say yes, you just undersold yourself. You lost you're a $200 more. DJ in you're that guy's head now forever. That's what people don't understand. So if, if it was up to, up to me or an ideal perfect world, the DJ should be the one to say, Hey man, you're like family. Like I'm gonna invite you over for Christmas dinner. Like you're my boy, and I would love to do it. But on contract, legally, I can't accept a gig. So let me have my manager Brian hit you up. He's real easy to work with. All right, he's the dude. Trust me, he doesn't come off wrong. And let's let's find a way to make this work. And then you hang up the phone, and you're still that guy's boy, no matter what the outcome of that situation may be. But you might call me 14 seconds later, and you're like, Yo, tell this guy fuck no. Two hundred dollars lick my ass, and that guy doesn't know that. And I'll tell him in a nice way why you can't do it for $200. And then if he's really stuck on the $200 budget and we can't get you up, then I'll pitch somebody else on the roster that might still be in that $200 uh, stage or that, that, that era where that opportunity can still benefit been, somebody. And that's been, that's been another big factor of us because we always tell people, it's like, yo, and I tell people the same thing. We still help them out. I, I tell people the same thing. I was like, look, if I can't do it, look. I got Zaya, you know Zaya. Oh, Zaya, I'm like, bro, I'm like, he's he's my dude. He's like, a gig I can't do, I wouldn't put anybody else. Oh, but our budget is this. And I was like, look, we can work with a budget. We can do this. We can do that. And just and then you work with it. If the budget's it. shit, then maybe consistency is the key. All right, your budget's 400 bucks, cool. But can I get it every week? Because now we have something to play with. It's something else to the arsenal that we can play with for in regards to an opportunity or what it is that we're, we're doing to grow as a unit. And, and vice versa. There's been a lot of people in this industry that they have a gig already and they get called for a $1,000 gig. And guess what? The same way you freak out when you put a DJ and you don't hit me up and then 10 minutes before you're, you got the cold sweats and all that, every DJ goes through that. 
And you know what they don't go through is when they call me because they know I'm going to write it down in nine places. It's going to be on 14 calendars. There's going to be alerts. There's going to be reminders. There's going to be a, a, a run of show that's going to tell you exactly what to expect, when you get there, who you're going to see, who's important, what shout out you're supposed to do, what equipment is there, who's the manager, who you're supposed to follow up with on the way out to make sure that we go back. These are all things that go into your day-to-day process of being quote-unquote a DJ. But I can't expect you guys to know that, right? So I have to do my job to make sure that if we're going to put any DJ there, maybe from the roster, maybe not, that that standard, that level of professionalism is still going to be there. It's still going to be in the equation when they deal with it. And then I think, you know, I I don't want to fast forward to the future because I'm not in the future. But, uh, you know, I think that's where the industry is going, where more and more people don't care necessarily about which DJ plays there. They just want a certain tier of DJ and they want to deal with somebody that isn't going to leave them high and dry. They aren't. They don't want to deal with a DJ that at 9 p.m. has diarrhea or a mixed martial arts uh, injury <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden they're on a mission at 9 p.m. I always tell clients the same thing. Hey, if someone cancels at 9 p.m., we're going to do what we need on our end to make sure that you as the client is, 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 is still good, still taken care of. That day that Zaya got injured, we did have an option to pitch, but the, the, the club just so happened to have another option that they felt comfortable with, and they said, no worries, we got it figured out. But if they didn't figure it out, we would have still had an option for them. We would have still been able to keep the level of professionalism with them. And you know, fast forward to the future, like I said, I think that's where bookings are going. So you know, why would a club deal with 15 DJs individually for that Thursday, Friday, Saturday lineup of the month when they can call me and deal with 15 different DJs by talking with one person. And a lot of clients don't know that that service is, is, is real and they don't know that it exists. But the more we stay in the pool and the more people we meet and provide that professional standard to, the more they start believing in it. And it goes back to the example you just said. You went in there. You know, we had a venue. Nobody had played in it. We were trying to get in. Kaz finally got in. And he crushed it. He crushed it. The manager hit me up on Monday. I didn't even have time to follow up. Yo, your boy Kaz did great. This, this, and that. You know, thanks for sending the invoice over already. You know, because, you know, our accounting sends it out Monday morning. And it's just an oiled machine, right? And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, is Kaz available next week? And I'm like, nah, but Zaya is. Off rip, they might not know who Zaya is. They know they're going to be okay dealing with them because they're still dealing with me. So everybody's going to be on time. Everything is going to be on time. Everything's going to get processed correctly. And the format and everything is going to be discussed because the me mentality on this team doesn't exist. So you will share your playlist with them. You will you know, make sure that that DJ going in there is prepared and, and, and literally, ideally, is going to go in there and rock it just as good as you did. That's how we stay in there as a unit. Fast forward the story, that same account, now we do programming, you know, basically almost every Saturday at one of their locations, and, and you know, we were doing Fridays at the other. That's a lot of work that just came from booking you, and if you were just chasing your gigs, look at all the work you would have had to done for like three dates, where right. we put in the work as a unit, we got 12 dates, you know? So it's a math game. It's, it's how, do you, how do you win people over to trust in the system of the service that we're providing, and how do we, as a service keep it uniformed across the board, whether it's a Latin DJ doing a, a Maluma after party, or if it's a straight hip-hop DJ doing a hood party, or you know it's one of you two doing a top 40 party. The music may be different, but the professionalism and how we do it 
is standard. It's across the board. And if we can raise the standard on ourselves every day, I mean, I don't see how anybody would be able to catch up. You I mean, know? we have raised the standard. And I think right. that that's what's been so important because then we receive that respect and professionalism back. So, like, there's been things where, like, like bef- back in the day, I would be, I would never, like, if we back went over. Back in the day, you were a nightmare, Yeah, dude. If, I, if, I, if, I, if I went over some time, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I mean, I'm not getting paid for that. I just have, I DJ 30 more minutes mm-hmm. an hour. Like, I'm, all right, but. I sent an email to Brian like, yo, I want those cents, fam. All right. I want those the four minutes I played after one a.m. I want those cents. And like and now, now it's venues like, are like, yeah, oh, he played how long? Okay, cool, because they like they know that we're we're not like a little and that's Mickey they, Mouse operation. That that's a perfect example because I I say that a lot, and I'll talk to other DJs, and I'll be like, yo, you're supposed to play till a certain time. I say you're supposed to play till two, uh, or l- l- example brunch, a brunch event. You're supposed to play till seven. That shit's still popping. I'm not going to cut the music at 7.01. 7.02, cool. 7.10, keep going. 15, 7.30. 7.30, I already, that's when I get on my phone and I'm like, I hit up Brian or I hit up, or I talk to the manager and I'm like, hey, look, man, you told me 7. It's 7.30. I'm going to keep doing this. You tell me I can keep rocking until 8. I can keep rocking until 8.15, 8.20, 8.30, Keep rocking until midnight if I you have to, me, but you're going to pay me for it. You tell me. And that happened at a venue. I played rocking like 12 hours. You know, they didn't book another DJ. It was a three-day weekend brunch thing. And I played to like, I played from like seven to, no, I played from three to almost from three to one. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> back in the day, you just get like a pat on the back, like, yo, you yeah. thanks, yo, you extend the party, me. thanks. Yeah, <laughs> hey, mean, thanks for making me more money. Now uh, here's your check. I mean, home. somebody else would have kept playing and then just send the invoice yeah. for a prorated amount. That would have been like, yo, you know what the fuck? But Brian sent the email. Hey, look, you know, Cast talked to the right. manager. He said he wanted to go keep going, and you know, and and honestly. The check I got, I didn't think it was going to be that. If it would have been a kind of prorated amount for those hours, I would have been perfectly fine. But just so they know that I have that relation, like I can do this. Right. I, I know many other guys that would have been like, yo, peace, I'm out. Damn, yeah, nah, sucks. you said seven. I got a hot date tonight. Peace. Yeah. yeah. Or they send the invoice themselves after and like the venue or the manager be like, what are you talking about? Right. No one, like, I yeah, don't what know. is this? Yeah, what do you, I, didn't, I didn't hear about you playing the next three hours. No one even, yep. like, I don't know about this. And so, like, things like that that go on to slip through the cracks is, like, a major, major uh, factor of why Rockwell's rocking well. That's why we've been rocking well for six Six years, years, bro. Six years. Jesus. That's crazy. So, what do you think is next for for Rockwell? Rockwell? I mean, without spilling too many beans. Well, I don't think what's next. We definitely have a next uh, that's going to be announced soon. What what is gonna come from that? Pause. Uh, I like that. Pause. I know you guys always you guys always <laughs> throw it in there. Uh, what's gonna come from that? We're not we're not exactly sure what to expect. Um, everything I said that I see happening in the future with bookers and stuff is gonna tie right into uh, some of the announcements that we have lined up for uh, for later this month or, or, or next month actually. Um, and we'll see from where it goes from there. You know, I I think booking agencies are uh, a thing of the past. I think um, I think um, just booking a DJ doesn't offer the client or the DJ enough anymore. You're you're not providing something that the venue knows what to expect unless they know that specific DJ. Um, when you when you go into a management company, when you go into a seven day a week operation like like you guys kind of noted, which kind of makes me happy to see that you guys see it from my perspective too. Now. Um, <laughs> 
you know, those seven days a week type of mentality and grind is what keeps clients feeling comfortable dealing with us. And there's been numerous accounts where we'll send a DJ that they've never heard of, but they didn't tell me no because we sent them. And then they go and they're like, hey, you know what? This guy wasn't bad either. Just, you you know, program the whole next month. Like, hey, how about you do, you know, October? Um, and, and I think, you know, bookings are going to be a thing of the past. I think it's more of how do you build a brand? How does the venue capitalize or benefit by working with you? What's the added value besides just playing good music? Um, and it's not necessarily bringing people or selling a table. That's, that's kind of what you do when you're younger and you really want to get noticed. Um, and if you could still do it, you know, awesome. I mean, one of our good friends, uh, Zay and I, uh, E-Rock, he's, he's a monster at it. He's, he's, he's able to bring that corporate world into nightclubs and tie, you know, knots and relationships together. And he's a fucking beast, you know what I mean, off of it. And he'll do his own events at mega nightclubs and do giveaways with certain sponsors and corporate entities. And that's where it's going. So now as a DJ, can you do that by yourself? I mean, very few can. And the ones that can have been, you know, preparing themselves to do that for 20 years. Can you just start right now as a 21-year-old kid and be like, yo, I'm going to meet my plug from Nike and we're going we're gonna to tie this corporate entity into live and I'm going to be the new resident. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. So I think as a management company, when we put all these resources onto one table, they benefit, we benefit, the client benefits, and now you're just shaking hands, kissing babies, and making sure that everybody is getting a better experience by dealing with you than just booking a DJ. So if all you're doing is booking DJs, eventually you're either A, not going to have DJs to book, or B, not going to have clients that want your DJs because they don't just want DJs. They want the added value. They want the content that's being provided to them by the DJ's brand. They want the social media that the DJ has been working on to, to benefit the, the, the look of the party, right? Because right? they're all tagging you guys. Hey, tonight we got DJ Kaz playing. And then imagine if you went to DJ Kaz's Instagram and didn't see shit. And or it's like 48 the, flyers. It's 48 or flyers. Pi pictures from, of dogs. Yeah, 48 flyers, two pictures of dogs, and him and his girlfriend out at brunch. Like, I don't want to book this guy. Yeah, he might be a good DJ, but when my fans, or, or, or not fans if you're the club owner, but I guess my customers go on to my social media to see the credibility of who's playing at this venue, I mean, I'm a guest. I'm going to do my homework. Is this DJ going to be good? I mean, you're, you're literally breaking it down because a lot of people don't understand that. And, and that's, that's one thing that's very important, like the importance of the DJ. I mean, we're going from like the flyer Quality of the flyer, first of all, live DJ or DJ name. If the DJ name is on it, is it a DJ that's recognized? Is it a DJ, you know, I, I keep tabs on everything. If I see a decent venue with a shitty flyer, with a shitty DJ. He made it. Boom. I mean, like, it's, it's well, it's, it's, it's two to, to me, it's two things. It's the venue is retarded for thinking that this DJ, or maybe, you know, I know the DJ's hyped, but the venue doesn't understand the value of having certain dj it's not even about followers it's about an image as in the image you present yourself the way that you come off the way that you play the way you dj it's those little the details. image of the image of your brand the image of who you are and how you portray yourself you know you come off like i'm using the shorts example again like you know you come off to a corporate gig in shorts it's like who's gonna fucking respect you you know like yeah. you you know like it's it's those little things but a brand a, a club if a club is just booking a book they obviously don't care about the DJs, and that's not a concern. But if you're working with a venue where the DJ is mentioned, yo, if 
to me as a venue, I'm like, I want the best fucking DJ I got. I'm gonna make I'm gonna pay the money for the DJ if he's doing the same kind of promotion. If he's putting it if he's putting in the effort just as much as I am for this party, that's the people I wanna work with. Of course. And that's how you continue to grow a brand. Yeah. You know, whether it's the party or, or, or the venue or the DJ's brand. I mean right. that that's how you one up and, and you know, you say they're gonna pay the rate. They're gonna pay that rate anyways. They all met in an office when the club opened and they said, Hey, our DJ budget is X. They're gonna pay X no matter what. What are they gonna get for X? If it's just a good DJ and we're offering a good DJ content, you know, uh, um, scheduling that that's not gonna be an issue, simplified accounting. I mean, A through Z, you're yeah. paying the same money for a whole lot more. Right. Why would you do that? You know, yeah, why would you do that? And it goes back to like you know, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, management versus booking agency. And I always tell people this, and they always look at me with a funny face. They they say, uh, "Hey, what's the difference between a management company and a booking agency?" Because you always say that you know it's a management company. I mean, I, I don't get it. Rockwell Talent Management. What is that? Like, I don't get it. Well, we care. We care about the DJ. We care about the venue, and we care about how we look beyond just playing music or being cool or being you know on the gram to and to kill scene, a gig. You know, yeah, like oh look at us. We're in the you know for the most part. And I can't say that it's always been like this because I have I have worked with a few people that fake it till you make it is is literally their model. I mean, I'm not talking shit. You ask them, they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Um, we don't do that here, man. We don't, we don't do that here. We, we work hard on what we're, what we're trying to put together and what we've been able to put together so that people recognize it and then we benefit because of it. You know, mm -hmm. As a management company, to me, I'm not trying to book a DJ. I'm trying to go into that venue you're, and show what we offer. So you're that managing we brands. You're managing 100%. Brands. And I think that's 100%. what gives us the longevity of being able to play at venues for years or like have these yeah. accounts because it's not like yo we're just trying to plug in a dj and then post it on instagram and then it's a wrap it's like yeah yo. what happens now yeah like, <laughs> you know what's really funny um i've worked with certain people that might be kind of new to the industry or they might have worked in either like a south beach or like in certain pockets that we don't really like makes no sense for us to be in and they meet us or they i mean i've met this happened with several people and they're like oh cool cast whatever and then like i see them in a week and i guess they followed me and they looked at my shit and they're like oh yo i didn't know you knew so and so or, or dude you played at so and so and i'm like yeah because those people since they're kind of so new to the the environment they see the flashiness they see all the 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 those guys that we see, you know, faking it till you make it, or dog, or it's in everything. Kissing, and everything. Come and go. It's and not then, DJs. It's in everything. You know what I mean. So, those people are like, when I first, the first time that I met them, they're like, oh, hey, you don't want to play over here? And I'm like, oh yeah, I used to play there. Or oh, bro, you know so and so? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But then, after they meet me or meet us, and then they see the shit that we're doing, they're like, oh fuck, these guys are like serious they're about their shit or they've been there they've done that they are doing that and still doing it and it changes their mentality about things because the more and i've seen it as they grow they realize the truth behind a lot of shit and all that fake front of whatever who they were looking at or thought that they were it doing it so they realize that those people were just full of shit so crazy it's like that fake it till you make it and posting it and and like the flashiness that dj bring the dj life brings and shit is cool but like 
the stuff that we do behind the scenes that no one sees and like the relationships that we've been able to like to maintain throughout the years is really what like allows us to be doing this for so long because we how many DJs have we seen that were the guy yeah. for a certain time and like and then their boy got fired and then their boy yeah. got fired the promoter moved the party the they broke up with the waitress that was like yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah, and yeah, they yeah. had no ties they had no relationship right. they just party changed format boom yeah gone edm no more boom. And, and i keep saying it's in everything i mean paul and i were at the heat game yesterday Dude, we were cracking up. Everybody zooming in to take the pictures, like if they're in row three, walking down 15 rows. Literally, oh, security's chasing them, the and best. they're taking the selfie. Like, no, no, wait, I just need a picture. Dog, what is wrong with the society? Best, no, the best is when they go to hide, and then they're like, they're down there, and that's when they get the picture. <laughs> Boom, Boom, court side. Yeah. From the 300s to court side. Next to the nine DJs in the booth. Right, right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But nah, it's, it's the front, bro. I mean, we see it. So you think the landscape of things, the booking agencies, eventually will just be no more? For a, for a, for a long time, and, and, and I, I kind of still think this, which I'm, I'm, you know, for everybody's sakes, I, I hope I'm wrong. But I think eventually DJs are going to get replaced. I don't know with what, right? You know, the robots, the holograms. I mean, all this bullshit that's been said, that, that's, that's like 150 years away. I won't have to worry about that. But um, <clears throat> in general, just what you receive when you when you book a DJ. The other day, I was I was meeting with a with a DJ that might might be on the roster soon, um, and dude, he compared a DJ to a barback. He literally sat here and said, "Dog, there's sometimes I'm in the venue and you're in the pre-shift, and it's like you're getting treated exactly like the barback. You're replaceable." And I hit home. You're very replaceable. You know, you're very replaceable. So where the landscape is going. Um, I think everybody is starting to realize that DJing is a job. You're there to perform a service. You're there to be professional. And if you're blacking out every night and you're throwing up on your CDJs and you're doing things of that nature, either A, you already made it and you can, or B, you're not going to be around for, for too long. You know, it's, 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 it's a ticking time bomb until you're, you're going to be irrelevant because you're going to get outworked. Um, so I think the landscape's going to change as far as booking agents. I don't think, you know, DJs are finding the benefit of booking agents. Um, as what a booking agent is, the more I put a DJ on, the more he's going to get noticed. So if I'm only getting a percentage on what I book for you, then I don't want to book you because I don't want to just book you. I need to manage you to make sure that when I put you at that right club on Friday night, when you get hit up for that new club two Saturdays from now, that's because I put you at that club Friday night, not because your brand is great, right. not because you're being managed, right? So a lot of DJs don't understand that, and they're kind of like, you know, nah, you know, how about how about you just take 20% off what you book for me, and I'll handle the rest? Why would I do that? I could just put somebody else there and keep, take the same 20% and work on building that person so that hopefully, like any other real business, it grows on its own organically, naturally. He kills it. Someone in the room recognizes it, noticed him, and goes up to him and says, hey, I, I want you to play at my club in DR, uh, you know, in two months from now. What's up? And then you say, cool, I'm professional. I'm going to have my manager reach out to you. His name is Brian, and I'd love to make it happen. And then guess what? We actually reach out and we make it happen. You're not going to do that if, if you got to give 20% to some dude. You're going to be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll handle it. Yo, DR, I got this. And then you're going to be like, yo, Brian, nah. Uh, that DR guy, he met me on IG, he DM'd me, and I'm going out there, so I can't give you a percentage. The fuck did I put you at that club for? The 20%? We just broke it down. I make $16 on that. I don't care. I won't put you. 
you know and and i'm not saying that that it's the it's the right or wrong mentality some djs think a certain way and other djs think another ways and that's fine that's cool with me i mean I, the utmost respect to all djs period you know as as long as you're a, a good person um <laughs> you know if you're a terrible person then it, it's one, not a D, yeah it's not a dj thing you're just a piece of shit and i won't like you whether you're a banker or, or a dj but you know if if you are doing the right things and and you want to work with a team you got to have the we mentality you got to have the us it's not me it's not i because it, it ain't gonna work you know Facts. so the landscape is changing because the dj is no longer what you're selling you're selling the service, you're selling the brand recognition, you're selling the credibility, and you're selling peace of mind. There's no more bookers. They, they don't get paid to book DJs full-time. It's literally the manager, inventory, back of the house, staffing, everything that goes into it. It's fucking a lot of shit, man. And then to worry about the guy canceling at 9 o'clock because he wanted to do a roundhouse kick? You gotta be shitting me. <laughs> Sorry, bro. You know? <laughs> It, so, was, it was just one roundhouse, bro. It was one roundhouse, um, and I don't know if he connected or not, but I'll make up that twenty percent, bro. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm due. Um, but yeah, landscape I think is definitely changing. I'm excited to see um, what it's going to be. I think the grass is always greener on the other side, but when you're playing the fence, you get to get, you know kind of see it through, and and not pick the grass, just you know go through the fence at the end of the day. And I think that's what we're all working towards. Um, and if if you want to win overnight. This is not the industry because you're going to end up winning and then losing long term. And that sucks because now you're 40, 45 years old and you got to figure out what to do with your life. Not just your career, your job, your life. You know, that kind of sucks. Facts. You want people to follow you on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. Do you, you have wanna, an Instagram still? Or? Listen, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate the follow. I do post somewhat periodically on, Once on, a year. on, IG, on IG Story. Okay, IG story does get some content here and there, some behind the scenes. I think it's worth following. Sometimes I think you're a bartender. You know? <laughs> but uh, your IG story is just like the drink. Like the <laughs> well, sometimes I bartend too, man. It's many hats. We got many hats going on here. Um, but if you're expecting three posts a day and me and my, you know, too busy, bro. Balenciagas or whatever bullshit you guys got going on or on a, Instagram. Or a booking. It ain't me. It ain't me. I, I don't have time to show you what I'm doing because I'm too busy doing it. And if you have all that time in your life to make this fake content and schedule it and post it and do all this shit, dog, you're going to lose. You're going to lose hard because social medias are becoming less and less relevant. Companies are becoming more and more smart. They're not paying girls to show their ass anymore for, for likes. They're paying for organic comments. You know, you got you got the bang uh, models out there that are selling everything but bang. All right. All right. The, the, the companies aren't paying for that anymore. And, it, and now... You got you got the fix, you know. You got the the IV in your in your vein. You need the likes. You need the attention. You need the comments. But what happens when you don't get paid for that anymore? Are you still gonna do it just for the likes? I doubt it. What happens when silicone is found to give cancer and your fake ass tits and lips and everything else in between ain't cutting it? What do you do? What do you do then? You know. So it's the time to adapt is now. I think I think now is when people gotta gotta get a little more genuine or organic. So. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Brian with a Y, literally spell it out, B-R-Y-A-N with W-I-T-H-A-Y underscore. Brian with a Y underscore. Yeah, don't expect a lot of content, <laughs> but what I post is real and what do I post is genuine. Do you reply to DMs? I, rep hey, I reply to DMs. I do so very actively. If any young DJ hits you up, what are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell them to email me. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. That is the best way. Just so everybody that's texting you and calling you during this 
There's yeah, oh, I, I got at least 400 texts for sure. Right now, everybody, I just need five minutes of your time on the phone. I That's great. But if it's 400 people needing five minutes, then I need two days to deal with all your bullshit. And if I was dealing with all your <laughs> shit for two days, what time do I have to do what I need to do? The quickest, you know? the, the quickest way to get a hold of you. The quickest way to get a hold of you is we get email. Just tell people that. And that's, that's it. it. Bookings with an S at rockwelltalent.com. You want to reply? Send me your press kit. Send me your questions. Send me anything and everything that you may have. And, and, and I'll be more than glad to answer on my time, not on yours. I can't wait to see his face when he turns over his phone. I know, right? <laughs> I don't. All right. We're going to wrap this up. Six years, Rockwell. What are, what are we doing this weekend? We're doing Sway. We're I'm doing. Go, I'm going to Columbia, dog. Oh, you, I don't. I don't want to know what you're doing. He's really celebrating. <laughs> I'm celebrating. Sway, bro. Biscayne Bay Brewery, Block Party, and Houston, Houston Icon, EFX, RockwellTalent.com at Rockwell Talent, Semi Radio. We out. Holla. Peace.